I'm gracious, but I'm not content. Because I know y'all got a lot more to give me than some $250,000. When Darren Wilson killed Michael Brown, white folks gave him $300,000 in three weeks for his defense. And Dr. Umar Johnson is trying to build a state-of-the-art school for black boys that y'all all know I need. And after six months, I only got $250,000. Trifling-ass black people. I'm going to call it like I say it. And I don't care if you get offended. We can handle that outside. We trifling. <laughs> I should have been had that $2 million. I should have had that $2 million 30 days after I started the fundraiser on May the 20th. It don't make no sense. Thank you, Sister Avanti. $10 coming on the cash app. Thank you, Sister. Next time, make it 20 But thank you for that 10 I know you barely had that. Thank you, sister. Any ladies in town for the training want to accompany the prince to the Cheesecake Factory tonight? Any white plains queens want to go out on a date with the prince? Free date tonight to the Cheesecake Factory? Let's get into it. It's one thing to make videos. Monty Woodgrain, I'm going to fuck him up, too. So if you could get Monty's address, it's time for me to see Monty, too. I've been as patient as I can be, and I'm tired of this shit. It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. Are we rolling? We started? Is yeah. this it? Yes. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Not yet, not yet. We got it. <laughs> yes, sir. Now. Wow. This is the ignorant shit you like. I am King Cooler. This is the ignorant shit you I'm like. I'm not This is the ignorant shit you like. Come on. <laughs> this is the ignorant shit you like. You know what's a bully hell when a mother got a nine chasing a chicken. Bombs! And there's more. I married a white girl 10 years ago, brother. Well, brother, until you unmarry her, it's best you stay over there, brother. I appreciate you and I love you, but you are no use to me with that white woman on your arm, brother. I keep telling you, consciousness over coochie, politics over punani. Correct. But I would say, listen, your wife is white. So we're going to stop the black talk right there. The goddamn NBA is a suspect. As soon as I said that, Mama or Yah blew my cell phone off the stand. They are contacting the college to try to force them to cancel my lecture this Thursday to close out Black History Month. They're claiming I smoke crack. <laughs> Bombs! <laughs> Bombs! That's how you hit. Bombs! Reasonable Ignorance Podcast, I'm back. Got Coach Moses to my left. Uh, Magic Mike's on his way. To the left for the Vice Lords. Right, that's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, I am joined by two of the greatest legends um, of the black delegation from the Midwest. Yes. Um, two of the guy, two guys who are uh, Radio Land are. Um, Revered, two of the guys who uh, raised a ge raised a generation, raised a generation, right uh, raised a generation, yeah. generations. We Let's claim like that. that. Yeah, we claim that. Raised generations. Two guys Plural. who had the were on the biggest station in Chicago for a good, let's say, ten years. Ten years. Yep, ten years. A ten, ten year years. run. Ten year run. A ten year run. Which is unheard of now. Which is unheard of now. I'm joined tonight by the bad boys of radio, of bad boy radio, 
Mike Love, and the motherfucking Diz, finally! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now we're just Chicago famous, so yes. you know how we do. Yes. So yeah, we're glad to be in the house. What's going on, yo? Look, um, I'm honored. I, I thank you. I, Mike Love came on before. Mm-hmm. Cool. I got the Diz in here. Right. Forget it. Forget it. It's That's like, the main thing. Now, now it's all shit. This was right? this like, was this was this, was, this this is happiness because <laughs> right. you know, we heard your your voice is synonymous. You know that, Mike. Thank of course, you. you know that. Thank you. Um, but and, and everybody, we understand. We live. It's our first live taping at Sonic Palace Studio. Um, is it? Yeah, first no. live taping. Like hey, all right. Special. Yeah. Special. That's For, right. Okay. First live taping at Sonic Palace. Damn. I thought this was something y'all did every week. I just didn't no, know about no. it. Right. No, this, we, I, I, you know what? I'm trying to get to this whole video cast right. thing. Yeah, right. I'm trying to upgrade now because we we did the first you know five years. I'm just gonna say we did the first five years all audio. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I got to really lose a hundred pounds now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I gotta lose a hundred. Did you watch? You watch my show last? Yeah, night? Yeah, I watched it. All right, cool. Last We're gonna night. talk about it. We're gonna talk about Do it. Do we have right. to? Yes. <laughs> hey, mind. look, Mike Love. Diz, it's an honor Thank finally you. to meet you and see you um, without having to just look all the way in the back somewhere and see you out, out and about. After all these years, I get a chance to see you, man. Well, good. Glad this to is be a great house, honor, man. man, for real. I'm very honored. We, we interviewed Mike before years ago uh-huh. um, when we was first getting off the ground, me and Magic Mike, when we was doing this. Corey is, is, is just, Coach Moses just, just is an add-on um, this whole year or so. He, he brings the West Side perspective. And also, you know, he's one of the, the best West Side people ever mm-hmm. right here. So hand claps to Co- yeah. Coach Moses. That's a part of the podcast from now on and, until uh, further notice. Right. Until um, he has too much Tito's like uh, like Nick. <laughs> but anyway, um, Diz, it's an honor to, 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 you know, to see you on here uh, and everything. Like I said, you raised the generation. Mm-hmm. So I got to, you know, we got to get each other. We got to give uh, uh, our legends the, the the flowers while they're alive. You know what I'm saying? Twenty years ago, I couldn't even think about. Uh, uh, Twenty years ago, I wouldn't even think about doing no podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, Twenty yeah. years ago, I wouldn't even think about. I'd have Mike Love and the Diz in, in in here, who we used to tune tune into <laughs> on, on in Chicago radio every six night, p.m. to six ten p.m. Yeah, six to ten, 6 to 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. You yeah, I mean, two things, held things, it down. Things change. I mean, you want to hear something really crazy? What was it, Mike? It was '99 when we when I put the webcam. Yeah. I had to, we had the Bad Boys website, and I had the webcam in the studio, okay. and people could watch us online. And everybody thought that was such a crazy concept at that time. Mm-hmm. They were like, I remember 21 I years I ago. Barb Dyson like, why they got to see y'all? Y'all on the radio? Like because <laughs> they they're individual now. That's what they want to do. So we had a webcam propped up in the studio, and I remember we had Puffy in the studio and a couple other artists, and people were actually watching our webcam through our website and seeing that. And like you fast forward now today. And, you know, I mean, that was before YouTube and everything else. So now, you know, video is the thing. But, right. Yeah, you, so. had the, you had the premonition before. before you, all, you both had the premonition before. We then. always prided ourselves on being cutting edge with everything that we did. Yeah. I mean, we always wanted to step up everything. I mean, we had a website before GCI had a website. TheBadBoys.com was a website before WGCI.com was a website. We were always. They didn't even believe in websites. They right. were like, website. Whose I mean, idea was it? 
Uh, probably both of ours, yeah, actually. I mean, you know, we always ran stuff past each other. And, you know, I mean, we all we were always looking for the next thing. Exactly. You know, yeah. so like I said, we had the laptops up in the studio when it wasn't even fashionable to have laptops up in the studio. So, I mean, we were all, and then not just not just from a technology standpoint, from even from our show, a show perspective, we always wanted to raise the bar on everything we do, whether it was our promos, our events, our DJing, whatever we were involved yeah. in, we always wanted to take it to that next level every time. You, you see that? You, you listen to that voice. That voice ain't, I know. ain't stop. It's, just, it's, it's the it's same like it's voice. Years it ago. is. It's 20 it's plus years ago. Right. Yeah. And it, 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 we walk up to people today and they go, wow, you sound just like you did on the radio. I'm like, because this is how I talk for real. In real life. In real life. <laughs> In real life. Yeah. So, yeah. This said he can't, can't talk as fast as I can't, he used yeah, to. Yeah, I can't talk as fast, but I can't hold my lie. wind like I used that's to. That's a lie. Dude, no, I can't. We were in the park and we did the birthday live. <laughs> right. oh, Wait, you I, that shit yeah, out. right after I hit the primatine mist, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready now. <laughs> Let's do it. Nah, he, <laughs> she he, was crazy. He just needed he just needed the moment. He needed to yeah. be in the moment. So yeah. once he was in the moment, Oh, Damn. you know, when it's showtime, it's showtime. Exactly. I don't Still. care what's going on. Like I said, you know, we could be having the worst day. Everything could be wrong. But when it's showtime, you never know that. Yep. Professional. Yeah. Professional. Wow. Mike Love is in here with the salt and pepper beard. Oh, what's up with dude. that, man? Embracing. We got we to gotta embrace. I'm 54 years old, man. It's, it's Hand been 23 years since the beginning of Bad Boy Radio, as, as Chicagoans remember it. Uh -huh. So... You know, it started to gray up. I was, I went, I went with the clean face initially, mm. and you know, the, the ladies don't like that. My wife didn't like it. It's rape, rest rapey face. I went with rapey face. <laughs> uh, what do you call? No, yeah, um, no, you're right. No, what's what was the um, Richard Pryor movie where uh, oh, where he played himself? Jojo Dancer. I had the yes. Your life is cold. I had the Jojo Dancer. Jojo okay. Dancer. Initially, the clean yeah, joint. Look crazy. The, yeah. So I, back when he was dating Anna May. Then, by the time I came in and did you guys, I think I probably had the um, the goatee. Uh huh. And you know, just over the years, it started graying up, and you know, it started filling in, and yeah, that's what I'm going with. And the, my wife loves it. You know, she be running her fingers through it, and what is with? Uh, I gotta ask. Uh, because coach, you got a beard also, okay? Me and me and uh, Diz don't at, at all. No, I've kept, I've got, had the goatee forever though. Yeah, Diz got that the goatee, I've had, but I'm never. I can't do the full beard thing. No, nope, me I neither. I scratch myself to death. I'm, that's so what you, you get. Think you get the bumps. You get it. You no, get the bumps I don't. No, I don't get itchy? the bumps. It just it gets itchy. It would drive me absolutely insane. How do you two deal with it? The, the itch. With the itch. Oh, coach these Moses. Two. Well, yeah. I, I don't really have the itch. Exactly, um, you don't. I I was given some product to use maybe about three or four years ago to keep it moisturized. Yeah, well, I ain't number the ultra firm. So I don't deal with the itch anymore. I'm good now. Exactly. Yeah, I'm good. It's it's you know it's just it's a part of me. Yeah, I heard once it grows out, once, then it's fine. Yeah. It's once, the process. It is oh, the process I is is problematic. But once it grows out and you Wash it and you moisturize it yeah. every day. Get your oils, get your juices and berries. There you go. I tried right here and uh, right here is when the, the bumps start coming in. Uh, right. you That's it. when the bumps start coming in. It's the rolled up, you know, the hair right. and everything. Like, I through. can't take it. You I, tried. I tried. I tried. 
And, she, and my, my, my old lady wants me to grow do a beard. Do it for your wife. Fight Come on, through fight through that. Fight, fight, fight. fight. So, that. So, but, hey, man. but what's up, though? You don't want to embrace the salt and pepper? I'm not ready yet. You don't? Come on, man. I'm not ready yet. Come, Come on, man. Just let it, just let it yeah. flow. Come on, Jamal. I'm not ready for salt and pepper. <laughs> for the culture. Come on, Jamal. I'm not, I'm not ready for none of the salt. I, I don't even want to see myself with gray hair whatsoever. I'm going to shave it bald like what Mike Love has right now. Um, I'm gonna die. My I'm gonna die. Whoa! Yeah, Whoa! Hey, wait! Hit the rewind button over there. Whoa! Hit <laughs> rewind. <laughs> you said you gonna die? Diet. That Arabian with that Arabian prince. Yeah. Black yeah. Dude, I, I don't want it, man. Don't. You can't die, you know what? man. And, and I know why is because he's still. <laughs> Jamal's still part of the younger culture. He's still out there working records for, you yeah. know, millennials and, yeah. you know. Okay. So he kind he kind of can't so, look so old. He don't want to look like a pervert when he out there <laughs> with the 24-year-old pushing <laughs> the record. Hey, look, all bullshit aside, um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm on Twitter real heavy. Are you on Twitter yeah. real heavy? Yeah. Okay. I'm on Twitter heavy. I go up under. Uh, King Bula. King Bula. Um, I go up under the hat, this 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 ad sign is HBCU Confessions. Every other every other time I comment, I get called Grandpa. Get off our stage, shit, Grandpa. Wow. Get off our shit. Because they be just the most stupidest shit they be saying. Or, or old nigga. I right. See, I see you get called old nigga. I get right. called old nigga. Yeah, I, I see that a lot. I get accosted all the time. So yeah. it's like, you yeah. know. That's that's their thing. Yeah. I, I still have, you know, I still got to keep young and, and, and active. But you're right. I don't know, man. You I, just, I just can't. You are old. You cannot. Escape be age, man. You right. cannot escape being an old nigga. And you're, I'm sure you've got more conservative with your views, which is why they yeah. they feel like you're an old nigga, right? right? Yeah. In your commentary, yeah. So yeah. you can always tell, you know. Except Candace Owens, she's the only you know young <laughs> black right. conservative. Other than that, <laughs> it generally we we get more conservative as we grow older. So mm-hmm. very true, mm-hmm. very very true. Hey, I will say it in a minute. Get off my lawn. Yeah. I need to literally <laughs> said. He's right. No, literally I don't know how you feel. Let me ask you this, Diz. Will you be out there with the gun like like with you you and your old lady out there with the gun like <laughs> like, like McCloskey up there in St. Louis? <laughs> Did you see that at all? Y'all see that? You have your rifle I out there. You have your rifle. Yeah, the AR fifteen. The wife had the pearl right. gun. Oh yeah, I did see that. She had mustard uh, on her shirt and shit. They yeah. were aiming at the protesters. Yeah, that was wild. They was. They, what, they what did the meme say? Down. What did the meme say? Straight out of Applebee's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's a little problematic, though. But from what I understand, once you dig a little deeper into Twitter, you know, I guess they were in a gated community. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, they were the, – the protesters were, quote, unquote, trespassing. Yeah. So, you know. They came outside with their weapons. Yeah. They were saying they're going to burn my house down. Mm-hmm. Ain't that some shit to say? <laughs> going right. to burn my house down. I got nervous. going to burn my house down. Right. Diz, um, tell me – tell us – Tell, tell reasonable ignorance um, your start, where you grew up at, where. Oh, crazy. Okay. All right. So I was originally born and raised in Park Forest, Illinois, which is about 30 minutes south of Chicago, okay. right next to Chicago Heights, right by Richland Park, Madison, south suburb area. Okay. So I grew up out there. I went to Rich East High School out there. There was three rich schools out there, Rich Central, Rich East, Rich South. A lot of people remember Rich Central because Kendall Gill went to Rich Central. Right. Big athletes came out of Rich Central, and most of my friends ended up going to Rich Central. Okay. But that's where I was born and raised out there. 
started DJing out there probably when I was what? I don't know, got my first set of turntables when I was about 12 years old, I guess. I had DJed my eighth grade dance. I DJed both my proms at Rich East. I was on the WRHS radio station at Rich East. So, I mean, as far as the whole DJ thing, I was doing that. I mean, I was born to do that. That's what I've always done. What was life like out there in the suburbs in um, late 70s, 80s? Okay, life was interesting because, first of all, you had to understand that Park Forest as a community was built to house black and white people. My, 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 my father's black, my mother's white. The reason why they moved to Park Forest because it was one of the few neighborhoods back then that actually welcomed interracial couples. Mm. You couldn't move to a lot of places, Steger, Frankfurt, like that. They weren't having that. So my parents actually moved to Park Forest for that reason. So I probably had as many black friends as I had white friends growing up, you know, in that neighborhood. And it was a pretty well-diverse community. But it was interesting because a lot of my cousins all stayed in Chicago Heights and the other group of my cousins all stayed in the city. So I probably spent as most probably as much time in Chicago as I did out in Park Forest. So, you know, I got it from both ends. That's born what she said. You were born in... <laughs> Bombs! <laughs> I'm always <laughs> ready. I'm born in 1970, right? 69. 69. Yeah. Okay. Um, where were you? You were 11 in, in 1980. Yeah. Right? It's the beginning of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Did you embrace it then? Did you see it then? Did you see Curtis Blow then? Or was it Curtis Blow coming up nope, at that I, time? I did you did. see the Grandmaster Flash and, and, and the Furious Five? Go ahead. I never saw any of them. I did get to go see the Fresh Fest when it was Houdini, the Fat Boys, Run DMC. What was that, 84? 84, somewhere around okay. There. But yeah, but before that. But I was quite familiar with the whole hip-hop thing because... The gentleman that used to live directly behind me, his name was Alan Wheeler. Alan Wheeler was part owner and program director of a black radio station called WMPP out of East Chicago Heights, now Ford Heights. And it used to rival VON back in the day. And anyway, he used to get all the promo records back in the day. So as a kid, I used to go over there all the time because he had a daughter that's my age. And we used to play back and forth. And I used to go over there and he was more of a blues man. And he would get all these disco 12 inches. So he'd have all them Sugar Hill records and all them Motown 12 inches. And he'd be like, go ahead, son. You, you could take those. So that's how I started building my 12-inch dance collection. Gotcha. You know, by the time I was little 10, 11 years old. So, like, all that Sugar Hill music, all that Rick James and, and, and all that stuff, I had I got from him because he worked at a radio station. And I used to be over there when he was doing air checks in his house and listening to what he was doing. And I used to be like, ah, oh, man, that's something I want to do one day. So, yeah, Alan Wheeler, he was a really big Alan Wheeler was, was your direct influence. Yeah, for radio, yeah. He was the one that definitely turned me on to it. Now, growing up as a kid, it was interesting because I have two sisters. And in our house, they made the den, my parents made the den downstairs into my room. And they left a stereo there. Now, you know, back in the 70s, you didn't have a TV in every room. Right. But my parents left the stereo in there. So when I was in my bedroom as a kid, I left a stereo on. So I would listen to Joyner. I would listen to Lou Jack. I would listen to Bob Wall. I would listen to all these jocks because I didn't have a TV in my room. So if I wanted to do something to keep myself occupied, I would have the radio on. So that's how I kind of got started listening and, and acting and speaking like a radio person because the radio never turned off in my room. Mike, you you were in in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. So you both you all and and let's I'm, I only re the reason why I say 1980 
because that's only far as far as what I, I remember going back. Mm-hmm. I don't remember nothing about the seventies whatsoever. Really? From seventy four to eighty, I don't remember nothing right. at all. Nineteen eighty on, I remember. Did you, know, you fall and hit your head? Or I might have. I might <laughs> have. Forty six, so that means you was born in seventy four, right? Right, seventy four. Like I usually with my kids, I'd be like, because my kids will, you know, they'd be like. Dad, you wasn't around. You wasn't around. I'll be like, you don't even remember the first five years of your fucking life. What are you right. talking about? You saying you don't remember the first six? I don't remember the first six at all. Wow. Damn. I only remember. You don't remember kindergarten? I remember kindergarten. Everybody but, remembers. But I was six years old. First day of kindergarten. Six years old. Kindergarten. Five oh. or six years old. Kindergarten. Okay. Six. It's blurry. It's blurry. Yeah. Okay. But okay, I have to ask since you brought it up, Diz, and I have to ask both of you all. All right. Disco. Disco, Rick James, as a as a as a as kids, and and you were when he first popped up on the scene. You was like what three? No, 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 no not you were three. He was three. Yeah. I w- I was born in '66, so mm-hmm. he was he was born three years after me. So he was like '72. Am I correct? Rick Who? James first one. No, nah, that's like mid late. 76, 77. Seven, yeah, 76. We talking about his stardom, or we talking about when he first when came he first out? came out. Rick James first came out around 76, 77. Yeah, oh, okay. 76, 77. Mm-hmm. Yes. We DJs. Trust ten, us yeah. on this. 10 years old. You're yeah. 10. Mm-hmm. You are uh, 7. Yeah. How much of an influence did he have on you as adolescents and kids? <laughs> Rick? Rick James. Oh, let's be oh my God. Bombs. Let's put it in. Let's get this shit right. God. Fuck all the bullshit. Oh, Rick James used oh, to go hard, man. <laughs> Rick James was the nigga. Like, he came out swinging. You got a story? All right, all right. I got a story. Story. (laughs) I got a story. This story is so hot. Okay, check this out. So, I remember as a kid, I had watched, I don't know, what is it, Soul Train or American Bandstand. Anyway, Rick James had just performed. But anyway, he did. Busting Out was the hit song back then. Right. So, my mother took me to Go Blatt's. And I'm in the Goblat shopping center. And I'm going through the 45s and I'm looking for it. And I'm like, okay, it's fresh in my head. It's called Busting Out. And I got it. And there's the 45. And I bought the 45. And I took the 45 home. And Saturday's cleanup day in the house. So my sisters are cleaning up. My mom's cleaning up. And I'm like, Mom, you got to hear this new record I got. So anyway, she's like, okay. And I'm like seven, eight years old. So I decide that I'm going to play this song on the family stereo and sing along with the song. So you got to understand, my mom, she's Irma Bombeck apple pie but she's, she's so white, white. white. She's, white, she's white. white 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 <laughs> gotcha. okay not tina marie white real white anyway okay. i put on that's important holly hobby doll collecting right. white okay so yeah so here i am seven years old i put on rick james busting out i stand up in the house i decide to sing along with the song and there's a part in that song where rick goes we busting out and we don't give a damn Oh, my mother looked at me and was like, oh, hmm, okay. I never saw that Rick James 45 ever again. I got the sleeve, and she claims to this day she never took that 45. Yeah, (laughs) she she took that 45 away from me. But you ask what the influence of Rick was? Man, all them Funketeers, man, Flashlight, all them crazy records. It was funny because my mom had no clue what the hell I was singing. I remember when I bought Get Off by Foxy, since we're talking disco records. There's a part in that song where uh, the lead singer, Ish, he goes, 
Kiki under the sheets with two lovelies. And I'm like eight years old singing that part right there. Like my mom has no clue exactly what I'm on. She eventually found out, heard some of the words. And of course, those records ceased to exist. They disappeared. <laughs> but I got them back. <laughs> I eventually went out and bought them all back. Uh -huh. But yeah, all that, all that Funketeer stuff was big, a big influence on me growing up. Parliament too? Oh, yeah. Parliament. So Parliament. Bootsy Collins, yeah, Rick yeah. James. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, we bought a lot of funk in my house. My my father, um, Johnny Guitar Watson, um, like you said, Bootsy Collins, Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, we always had an eight track or an album or, or, of some sort. Of yeah, I had I had aunts funk. and uncles, and you know, the card games were always that full too. of that. Frankie Beverly and Mays, mm -hmm. all that stuff. The Ohio players, we mm -hmm. we got both of us got introduced to the funk basically through our parents. Now, huh. if you have to ask me what my music genre became, that would have to go to WBMX. Well, it probably started out with Herb Kent and the whole punk out thing and craft okay. work and stuff, but okay. it was the Hot Mix Five, and it was the house music that caught me personally, that moved my needle in music. I, like I said, I was born on the funk, but that was because my uncles and my aunts all played it and they listened to it and I liked it. But when it came to WBMX and the Hot Mix 5 and the house thing, that's kind of where I kind of found my roots. So uh, Grandmaster Flash and, 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 and the Furious 5, that didn't penetrate at all, no, no how, no way, around 78, 79? Uh, Grandmaster Kaz and, and, and everybody. For me, it did because things are different musically in Milwaukee. Okay. So in Milwaukee, we didn't have a BMX. We didn't have a Hot Mix 5. So the city itself and the music tended to be leaning more pop hits, R&B hits, and rap hits that would make it through to the radio. So a song like Freedom by... Uh, um, Grandmaster Flash or Grandmaster Flash on the Wheels of Steel. Uh, the Message, obviously, in 82, that was a mm -hmm. hit everywhere. But those records did break through. So when I hear, like, if I look at my Spotify playlist, first of all, it's like 99% old music. And there's, like, a couple of Sugar Hill records on there, like, you know, but not record. Diz and I were just talking about this on the Chicago Famous podcast, <clears throat> the podcast that we do. Uh, we were talking about Hot Hot Summer Day by the Sugar Hill Gang, mm -hmm. which was not 82. It was 80. 80. <clears throat> and um, so songs like that, like it would be songs that would like make it through to get played on the radio. And AM radio was was still king in 80. So, you know, the stations that were around, whether you're talking Milwaukee or uh, Chicago, uh -huh. they played those songs. So. They may have resonated with me more because I was three years older, so I might remember it a little dif differently. But Diz remembers Hot Hot Summer Day. Yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of those Sugar Hill records, but it was interesting because a lot of the up-tempo, and I didn't even think of them as hip-hop records back then, kind of bled their way into the dance culture, into the like the sub-house culture. When you talk about Planet Rock, for instance, or mm -hmm. Egyptian Lover, Egypt, Egypt, those were all fast records that ended up getting mixed in with a lot of the house songs. The Man Parish, Boogie Down Bronx, Watch the Closing Doors, IRT. I mean, they were yeah. rap, but they were Watch more the dance Watch the Closing Doors, records, yeah, like, yeah. You know, so, yeah. What's that? What's that? What you about to say? Hosting what? Go TV. Go TV. She's asking me that? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Was it, was it, was, okay, was that Go TV or was that the Hop Shop? 
I'm trying to think. It, was, it could have been. It could have been both. But yeah, oh, t- I'll get to that. <laughs> I'll, yeah, but yes, I do. I sure do. Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Um, I'm eleven years old. How are you in eighty-five? This is when I I, I remember eighty-five. You remember eighty-five? Six. Okay, you six. I got memories. Dang. Okay. There we go. Tell six, eight, eight, six eight. is the magic number. Do me a favor. <laughs> tell them if they got questions to to, to DM me the questions. And you got to just type it on on the comments. It's okay. Type. <laughs> type. It's okay. It's okay. Um, 85. You're 16. No, no. You're no. 19. Yeah. I'm you're 16. 16. Okay. 85. One year off the Fresh Fest, hip-hop is starting to permeate. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, 85. It's, at the same time, sick. house music and deep house is everywhere. And, well, let me not say everywhere. It's Chicago. Deep House is, is is Deep House and house music is the number one genre of music in Chicago. In Chicago, outside of blues and R and B, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you when you're off the Fresh Fest, what was life like for you at, at in the suburbs in Park Forest in '85? Oh, you're hot. 16 years old because I was DJing all the parties. I was, I was, man, I had my hands at everything. I mean, okay, because it's interesting because a lot of people don't understand when you're quick to say suburbs, they're quick to think of maybe a Schaumburg or a Naperville. And when you think of the South suburbs, there's an entire musical culture, especially out there where I'm from. I mean, if I start listing the DJs and the music that they made just from within five miles of my house out there, people would be like, what? I had no idea that all that culture came from that particular area. So, yeah, man, I mean, you know, I hear people in Chicago, they will always reference back to Mendel or they'll reference Sawyer's or those some of the clubs here in the city of Chicago. But back out there, man, we had skating rinks like Glenwood. We had the Star Flyer. We had the Comfort Inn. We had, um, oh, man, it was just numerous small clubs out there. And it was a handful of DJs out there. Growing up, there was two guys that pretty much started off doing most of the parties out there, and that was uh, DJ Rockin' Reggie from the Heights and Jam Master J. They did a lot of the Glenwood parties and stuff like that. But then a lot of us all caught the vibe, and we started spinning along with them. So before you knew it, man, we were doing big things out there. And it was probably DJ Pierre, who grew up in University Park, right behind me was Park Forest South back then, who got signed to Tracks Records back then with Acid Tracks. And once he brought Acid Tracks out, it kind of put the spotlight on us back out that way, and a lot of music started getting created. People like Roy Davis Jr., Brian Harden, Felix Housecat, myself, we all started doing music back then. So, yeah, I mean, it At was, that age was of 16, 16, 17, I didn't, 18? I, every- didn't, I didn't do my first song until I was 18. Okay. And that was on Dance Mania back then. Me, Roy Davis, Brian Harden, we did it. That was 18. But I was still, I mean, I was playing, I was DJing a lot of the parties back then, so. 85, where were you at, Mike? 85, I was just starting to get into radio. So I had just gotten my first radio gig at uh, WNOV, uh, an AM station in Milwaukee. Doing? Doing mixes. I did um, a noon mix, um, Monday through Friday, a 12 noon lunchtime mix, like 12 to 12.30, Monday through Friday on an AM 860 in Milwaukee. So I played... Uh, the hits of the day. So it, if it was R&B and it was a hit in 85, between 85 and 88, uh, that's what I did. So, yeah, so it was hip-hop, uh, a lot of hip-hop, 
but it was a new mix and and you got to understand that also during this time this is a time before hip-hop is like really accepted in in radio and you remember what you were playing in 85 shit um so whatever was hot so if janet jackson was hot if um if uh word up cameo if cameo was hot like Mm -hmm. i said like the r&b of the day mixed with some of the hip-hop i'm trying to think of the the hip-hop records mantronics and run dmc Mm -hmm. uh, all of this all of the stuff that was really popping like really really popping utfo so if it was if it was hot if it was hot, I was playing it. it was in the, uh, mix. the show, yeah. the show, uh, just bugging from mm-hmm. uh, whistle, stuff like that. So if it was hot, it was in the mix. But you know, like I said, rap was kind of uh, make sure you know you would never play like an all rap mix in 1985. That's for damn sure. Right. How much did um, Diz? Now I gotta ask. Let's let's go back for a second. Give me a rewind. Rewind. I'm waiting. I got questions for later. Cool. Um, Park Forest, you come from a a, a household where black father, right? Mm -hmm. White mother. Yep. Race relations for you back then. Okay. And I talk about this all the time. It was interesting. I probably had my worst experience in race relations from black people more than white people. Okay. Only because there was towns out there at the time, and I call them, like Frankfurt and New Lenox and Steger, where they told you, don't go over there, you're going to get fucked up. So that's all they had to tell me. Mm. I I wasn't trying to be brave. They said, don't go to Steger. I'm not going to Steger. You'll be hanging out of a tree. So, but growing up out there in that environment, I was, you know, most of my friends were white. I went to like, predominantly white school so of course people would be like oh he talks proper you talk like a white boy you know I used to get that a lot you know from the brothers especially from Chicago Heights which was predominantly all black back Mm -hmm. then and my friends in the city and it was funny because it was my DJing that broke that down because I would get teased about oh you sound like a white boy blah 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 but when I started beating the box people were like okay well you know what he can DJ so <laughs> that's I don't care what he is he just put 200 people at my house and they just paid five dollars a piece and that nigga just rock some he shit so that's okay we'll right. let that go so yeah I got my black card early before I know it I'm DJing GD parties and, and all types <laughs> of shit every day. oh if you were the Whoa. heights you keep it real the, the folks was rolling so yeah <laughs> I'm over there do, doing what I, I got to do. So, I yeah. just found that out. Right. The whole family's folks? Oh, yeah. So, All of them. So Hoover had so, an influence out there, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, man. Okay. Hey, How did you escape that? I mean, I just did what I did. I mean, like I said, I saw, you know what? I've always been one of those people who learned from other folks' mistakes. I've seen Literally people folks, get, yeah, right. I've seen people get <laughs> shot and laid out, or I've had cousins get arrested, and I've had to go get them from jail with my father or something like that. And I said to myself, "Damn, I don't ever want to be like that shit. Like that, that I don't want to end up like that." Right. So that kind of, you know, and, and you know, people will tell me, people who grew up with me will always tell you that I was just a really focused individual. Like I just knew exactly what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, and until I got there. So y'all, they said, basically, don't fuck with him. 
Right. He's, he's go, you know, he was the one, you know, don't going fuck with somewhere. him. Yeah, he going, so he doing going some shit. We're not going to fuck with him at yeah. all. You right. Know what I'm so, saying? yeah, I mean, it was cool. We're going to fuck mean... with that motherfucking black stone <laughs> over there. We're going right. to throw that fire down at him and shit like that. Um, okay, so <laughs> I, I want to, um, I got to go, I got to, since we did 85, right? We did 80, we did 85. Now I got to take it to 88. 1988, you're 22. Yep. 1988, you're... 18 and graduating. 18 and graduating. Where'd you go? What'd you do? Did you go to college then? Were you plans to go to college? All right. Um, services? What did father want you to do? Okay. So, growing up, my sport of choice was wrestling. My father was a wrestling coach. He coached at Harlan High School here in Chicago. Then he coached South at... Southside of Chicago. Southside Chicago. Right. And then he coached at Orr High School on the west side. My Chicago Avenue. My um, uncle... Ben Ward coached at Marshall High School. So What's up? Wow, I wait, grew up. That's your uncle? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Small world. That's my uncle's best friend. Well, there you go. So wow. Ben Ward world. was my dad. Yeah, Marshall. They, wow. There you go. Wow. Okay, so wait. I grew up in this. a wrestling household. So that's what I did. And I started wrestling probably by the age of six, I guess. I was in all the AAU tournaments. I won a couple state championships. Did all this stuff. And by the time I got to about a sophomore, my DJ thing, it really took off. Uh-huh. And I was really feeling that shit. Because ain't nobody coming to no wrestling meets. They ain't one like the <laughs> basketball team. It was like, I'm only the, only the only black kid on the team. And it's like, okay, whatever. And I was really feeling myself on this DJ thing. And my father told me, I mean, I actually had to come to my father because I was what you considered a blue chip athlete. Okay. So I had people from University of Florida at the house. I had Howard University at the house. And they were all setting me up to get a scholarship to go off to school on a wrestling scholarship. Wow. I tore my knee up, beginning of junior year, tore a tenon in there, whatever. I kind of went back to just, just DJing, not even rehabbing. And I had to tell my father, who's this big-time coach, coached with the Olympic team and all that, that I didn't want to wrestle anymore. And he was like, well, what you plan to do? And I said, well, I want to DJ. And he had no idea what that entailed. He was like, what, you going to play records? And I'm like, I'm, I'm really good at this shit. And he didn't believe it at first. But then he told me, he was like, look, if that's what you want to do, then do it. Just don't come back to me a year from now and say, oh, now you want to go to college. Mm. Or now you want to start back wrestling. If you want to do this DJ shit, then go for it. And that's what you got to do. But don't come back to me and say, I made a mistake. I want to get back to training. So I decided to go down the DJ path, and that's what I decided to do. I came out of high school. I couldn't get into college. My scores weren't high enough. They weren't trying to hear me. So I backdoored my way in. I started working at a record store. By the time... What year was, was this? This was 89. Okay. So I graduated in 88, so 89, I started working for Record Town in Lincoln Mall out in Madsen. Now, Record Town was part of the Coconuts, Peaches, those, if you know them old-time record stores, they were all, like, the same link. But if you worked in a mall, you were going to work in a Record Town. I got hired at the Record Town. Within six months, I became manager of that store. And once I became the manager of that store... Then I had things happening. I started bringing in house music. I started bringing in classic hip hop. Things was happening. And I started selling my own mixtapes out of the record store, which eventually got into the hands of the club owners, which got me my first residence back when I was 20. Hand claps. Uh, What was the first club? Club Ultimate. Club Ultimate in Harvey. It was right there on 167th and Hosted, I guess. Okay. It was Club Ultimate for a couple of years, and then it switched over to Club Premier. But, man, Club Ultimate was jumping. Yeah. I mean, it was – because back then you had Schick Ricks. You had mm-hmm. 
the click mm-hmm. on YouTube. I can't forget what it was. But yeah, I mean, if you were out there in them days, man, Club Ultimate was just, it was the lick. It was, that was the, everybody was there. Okay. So, 88, uh, Mike Love. Mm-hmm. What you doing? Besides, besides mixing at the radio. Uh, DJing in clubs, 88. In Milwaukee uh, or in yes, Chicago? Yes, in Milwaukee. I'm okay, still, good. I'm not even sniffing Chicago till like 94. Gotcha. So Go right now in 88 is the beginning of my second stage of radio. So I went from this AM station to the biggest FM station. So uh, imagine going from, you know, to like a BMX. So I'm at the BMX of Milwaukee in 88. So I'm doing mixes, eventually working my way up, not only from doing mixes, but uh, doing traffic, doing my own overnight show, and, and in the clubs, in the clubs a couple of nights a week, playing mostly hip at, at that point. So 88 is like when hip-hop had pretty much taken over. Mm-hmm. Hip-hop and, blue, right. You yeah, see right. where I'm going. So okay. hip-hop, right. Yeah, so hip-hop yeah. blue and... R&B that didn't sound like hip-hop was not, it was a rap for that. So if it sounded like Guy or what Key Sweat was doing, anything that Teddy Riley touched New Jack around City. that time. New Jack Swing. Mm-hmm. New Jack Swing, So right. New Jack mm-hmm. Swing stuff, that was going, but your, like, your love overboards and all that stuff, any anything that was remotely sounding like mid-'80s R&B, <laughs> everything kind of had to have a New Jack Swing feel. Everything. Or, or it was rap. So back then it was like Roth, Big Daddy Kane. You had your Bismarcky Vapors, uh, anything by Public Enemy, all the Public Enemy album dropped in 88. Sally by Stetson Sonic was mm-hmm. a real big record. Um, so we were playing mostly stuff like that. Steady B, uh, Use Me, a lot of records that are like regionally hot. And then your your national, obviously, records like It Takes Two, which is, you know, a, yeah. a big record to this day. Yeah. Those records we were playing, you know, Do This My Way by, you know, anything that was coming from the Salt and Pepper camp. Right. So Salt and Pepper, Kid and Play, all of that stuff that was coming out of there. That's why when I hear a song like Do This My Way to this day, I know all of the words because that's a song that mm-hmm. we played in the club. That was like a party record. Mm-hmm. So people would come up to me nowadays and they will say, you know, I'll be playing like Him him or Me by Today or, you know, just a New Jack Swing song, something by God. And like a young cat, like early to mid-30s that doesn't remember that time, he'll say, man, what is, was this like serious? Like was this, was this New Jack know. Swing thing? Like, <laughs> It wasn't like, long lived, but man, when it was hot, people it was, was dancing. It was, the People dance floor dance. was jumping. Right. Yeah. And that was always a really good mix because you had that whole house vibe kind of in Chicago. And then that New Jack Swing kind of kept it on the dance floor but added the hip-hop element to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the dance floor was crazy fun back then. All yeah. right. Here go the Dirty Nigga question. You ready? Both dirty of y'all, nigga. give me the drum roll, please. All right. <laughs> dirty All Nigga question. Uh-oh. Fuck it. I'm, I'm, Uh-oh. I'm done being cute about this now. How much pussy did you have getting back then? <laughs> Bars! <laughs> How much pussy was you getting back then from that from that, air, that time? How much that, shots of ass and, and, and fucking y'all was doing back then? I would say enough. I'm going to let you go. Bombs! I would do. 
Yeah. Diz. Okay, man. Cause I mean, that was look, hard, Diz. That was Diz. hard. He said cause, enough. Cause look, man. cause man, cause I'm gonna tell you, cause Club Ultimate was jumping. I mean, that we were packing them out Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. It was new. The music was hot. Everybody just got a beeper. It was. It was <laughs> crazy. And he you brought know, it back. You twenty. You twenty twenty one years old. You know, making three four hundred dollars a night in the club. You're like, yeah, you get stupid. So yeah, you know, but I can I you know I pat my own self on the back. At least I got stupid and I was responsible because yeah. I we wore I, condoms back in those days. Right, right. It, Everything they, is they raw. Had now. Jimmy, yeah. They had Jimmy songs hey, back hey, then. Hey, so hey, yeah, hey, the '80s was the condom era. That's it what was. I called it. It really was. That's what I called it. You strapped right. the fuck you up. Strapped you strapped up. up. That wasn't even. That wasn't even a conversation. That song, go see the doctor. That was real. That was real. True. Like, if, if your dick was burning after three days, you had it. It was a wrap. <laughs> So and back you, then, you, it justified around Magic, but when Magic made that announcement, it was like, "Oh, niggas could get this shit." Yeah, you know that, yeah. right? What's Even that, though like he's 91? getting the shit, that was ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. Yeah. But you still had niggas going wrong. Nah, niggas no, niggas wasn't. No, nah, because I, I know a few that did go that, wrong, and that, yeah, then all of a sudden they that. had to go to the hospital. I and once again, I learned from the mistakes of others, and I'm like, "Oh God, damn!" I did go wrong. Because I mean, if you wasn't going wrong, if she, if you didn't burn, get burnt. You're right. You, you, you had the kid. Because right. this girl came up when we was on, on GCI. Uh, this girl called the radio station and said that my that I was the father of her daughter. I and, remember that. And I had to have, I had to go through the paternity test and all that oh, shit. We shit. did that. We did that shit all on the it air. We did all on the air. All yeah. on the air, huh? All then, on the air. And then after I announced it. I wasn't the father. I played Ice Cube. You right. can't fade me. Radio moments. That's hard. Yeah, one of the people great were radio. like, so Hell yeah, but no. but I I did remember going raw with this girl. Uh, in I was like scary. Eighty eight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. was scary. But but nine, nine times out of ten, I was yeah, I was strapped. I was strapped yeah. up. I was strapped. But I was the I was the revenge dude. Like I was the guy. That all the girls wanted to fuck to get back at their boyfriends. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. it's and the worst thing about it, it would be the niggas in my circle. So it was like these dudes would break up with a girl, mm-hmm. and they girl would come, and I'd be like, "And you young? You'd be like, you? There's no man law like the yeah, law no. that you have. Right. Yeah, you have to. And some niggas don't never get. So she wanted law. to smash the homie. Exactly. Right, so I exactly. was like, I'm I'm down with it. So I end up smashing this girl. She mm-hmm. ended up getting pregnant right after I smashed. And I but she ended up getting back with her boyfriend that I knew. <laughs> and I was like, whoo, I dodged a bullet on mm-hmm. that one because mm-hmm. I knew that I ran in raw. Mm-hmm. Turns out that the baby wasn't his, it wasn't mine. This bra had three niggas run up in oh, raw. Shit. Bobs! <laughs> <laughs> Hit it one more time. <laughs> that took, that took down three in one day. <laughs> three in one night, huh? Usually, the, 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 old, the, old, the old tale is that if, if, if she could take... The old tale, this is what I heard. Okay. This is what the old, G to, old guy told me. All right. Um, he said, if your dick can't get hard, she didn't fuck somebody else in the same day. Have you all ever heard of that? I ain't never heard I, of that. I, nope, that's new that. to me. If your dick don't get hard when you about to fuck... 
she didn't fuck somebody else in the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what old nigga told so me. Now I gotta go back and fact check. Right. Fact check. <laughs> Please do. I'm Please thinking do. of Shit. the two times yeah, that, that really come to my mind. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they was with another nigga, but I'm, I, you know. It's either if the if your dick won't get hard, either she done fucked somebody else in the, in the same day, or the pussy was odiferous or had an odor to it. That now that Definitely. will do. Now that's happened. Now that, that part, yeah, it. that has That'll happened, do it. but not in these. Look, I'm a, hard, look, I'm a hardcore fisherman, but oh. I don't like the fish in the bed. Mm. Bombs! 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 <laughs> <laughs> This guy is out of control. <laughs> Diz is welcome to Diz. Diz is Diz. a weekly podcast. Hey, um, uh, uh, I love it. Tony Neal put up the, the six point star just to let you all know. Okay, oh, Tony thanks, Neal. folks. Tony, Tony, yeah. Core DJ's own. Of course, he is. Tony Neal, DJ Legend. Court, yes, right. He, he put up the six point star six, on the it? timeline. What is it? Hoover's birthday today. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just cause? My man B. Abel Richardson said Club Ultimate was crazy. Yeah, oh, it was nuts. Now B. Abel's around the same age as you, um, um Diz. Okay. Um, he's around he's about 49. So he understands and remembers all that. Yeah, now, I'm gonna tell you, I don't remember uh, when you hear about parties from back then for that mm-hmm. for that all I heard about was Sawyer's, Chick Ricks, um, that's all I heard about. Mm-hmm. What's the, where, the warehouse? Warehouse. But, uh, but you're from the city, though, right? Yeah, I'm from the city. Okay, so keep in mind, most folks from the city never went past 95th Street. Most people think the south suburbs is Utah. Like, that shit is far, far. Right. But it was interesting because people from the suburbs always came to Chicago. People from Chicago don't go out there. That's but true. that was one of them rare moments where Club Ultimate was just so hot. I mean, we had every up-and-coming group you could think of come through there. We had, like, mm. the hottest stripper night on Tuesday night. It was crazy out of control because we would cut the club in half and the male strippers would be on one side of the club, female strippers would be on the other side of the club, and it would just be just jam-packed. And then the Thursday, Friday, you, Saturday How the Saturday fuck did nuts. you deal with what, looking at the male strippers? Or No, I didn't have to. I, I was hosting the women's side. So, actually, who was it? Was it Casper? I think it was Casper, actually was hosting on all the because they put all the ladies on one side of the club yeah. Casper the, the yeah that's on this time the they get the song? yeah oh, okay. that Casper, that yeah. Casper. Okay. so yeah he was hosting on one side of the club yeah, and they would OG. close up the doors oh, yeah. and they would do it over there and then I'd have all the guys on this side and we'd have the female strippers and then once the shows ended then we would just open up the doors and just blend everybody and have a big party nice. so yeah I mean and that's when like if you think about if you know the out here brothers would Hula and Slim and all them, all them records like Fuck You in the Ass and all, all them records were made because of all the shit that we were saying in Club Ultimate. That bring that ass over here so and all that, that shit. We used to say, back then? Yep, we used to oh, say all that shit right. in the club and then Hula wow. them turned all them chants that we used to say in the strip shows into, you know, into those records back then. Wow. You were a strip club DJ. For a minute. Skate, a skating ring DJ. Strip I mean, club what, okay, DJ. Let's, let's, let's go through it. What's the phases of a DJ? Both of y'all. What are the phases a DJ that a DJ goes through? I mean, you started the crib. You started the crib. You started the crib, and then you go from the crib to house parties mm-hmm. or basement parties. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting hired out to either do other people's houses or, you know, anywhere to, from clubs to. I mean, cause for me, I went from doing people's parties in the house to skating rinks because there was Starflyer, there was Glenwood, there was Linwood. And the skating rinks, they would have you skate till like 11 o'clock, mm-hmm. and then they would end the skate, and then we're going to have a dance party till 1230 or whatever it was. Okay. So skating then, rink for you? I never DJed at a skating rink. 
Never. I was I was a wow. When skating rinks were hot, I say skating kind of died down like around '85 in Milwaukee, like because the biggest black uh, skating rink got shut down in '85. Okay. So that's around the time that people that skated had to find someplace else to go. And I wasn't a skater, so I only went to go hear the DJ. So really, the skating rink was the first place that I really got a chance to see two turntables and a mixer and a, and a guy getting it in on the ones and twos at the skating rink. But I never DJed at the skating rink. Yeah, so for me, I went from the skating rink to the club. Okay. That was next. So after the skating rink thing went around, then I went to the nightclub. So Club Ultimate slash Club Premier, the Riviera. I had a oh, residence man. there on Thursday wow. night, so I was doing that for a minute. So, yeah, that was next. How much and then you, radio was after that. How much did you both have to budget per month or, or yearly, if you can remember, as DJs, young DJs, for needles? <laughs> oh. I mean, you just bought them. I, I wouldn't say you budgeted. I mean, you, we still was at the crib. You know, you right, still yeah. lived in the house. So it's not like uh, you was paying for gas to get from here to there. But, you know, I don't think my mother was asking for much not, as far as rent was concerned. So it wasn't budget. If you needed needles, you went out. Actually, all the clubs had their own needles. So the, the only time you had to worry about needles, like nowadays you got to take your needles and put them in the club and unscrew mm. them and screw them. But back in the days, all the, all the clubs had turntables. That's and true. They, they had, had needles. turntables and they had needles so you, on Yeah, them. so that wasn't your concern. So your only concern was the needles on your turntables in your house, which unless you was moving your turntables around a lot and DJing a lot of house parties or, or things like that, then you were changing them a lot. But for the most part, you weren't. You did, you know, but it wasn't a, a big part of the budget. It was You spent more on records than needles. Than needles. Yeah. What year... Um, I lost my train of thought just that so, the needles. Go ahead. So let me ask you guys this. So I'm a I'm a sports guy. Mm-hmm. So in the nineties, late eighties, early nineties, I grew up in the Bulls era. Mm-hmm. So for you guys, when you guys were DJing in Chicago, like how crazy were the parties when when Michael Jordan ran Chicago, a lot of Bulls Bears players? How were those parties if you DJ? You know, some we of talked them? about that on one of our Chicago famous podcasts that Jordan really wasn't a party guy. Now, I remember doing parties, and I remember Horace Grant would show up. Scott, Scotty Pippen and Horace Grant would show up. Okay. Cliff Livingston would show up. Um, oh, okay, so Marcus Liberty, there's one. He used to show up. Jawan Howard, yeah. he used to show up all the time. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there was a handful of NBA cats who used to show up, but as far as the Bulls go, the only two I ever remember showing up was Horace Grant and Scotty Pippen. Okay. Yeah, if you saw Mike at a party, yeah, that's it was, rare. Yeah, that was like um, it was like you seeing a ghost. It was like like you couldn't believe it. I remember there was a time like maybe ninety six, ninety seven, where Mike actually had like an injury, and it was Wednesday night at the Funky Buddha Lounge. I was just going out just to be going out, and this car pulls up, and and Mike gets out, and it like walks into the club, and. And that's just not something that you saw. Like, Mm -hmm. when you sit and you watch um, The Last Dance, like, Mike was all about ball. Like, Mike Mike did not go out. He was not in the scene, like, unlike somebody like Dennis Rodman or somebody. So, yeah, yeah, Mike was was super chill. But, I mean, the parties and the clubs, I mean, forget about it. That era was off the chain, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I got my – as he asked that question, I got my train of thought back. All right. 
this, your first year in which you learn how to or you you attempted or risked doing scratching in front of people? <laughs> that was easy, man. That was back, shoot, that was 83, 84 probably because I was right around the time that Herbie Hancock Rocket was out and played that beat, and played that beat by Globe and Wizkid and wow. looking for the perfect beat. Everybody wanted to – oh, and, of course, uh, you mentioned it, Roxanne, Roxanne. Yeah. Because everybody had that – Right. Yeah. So you would, always, you would always try to get that scratch and then add a little something to it. So, you, you know, they were making break beats back then with the little samples on it. So, yeah, I mean – all of us who started, we all wanted to do the spin back and the scratching and all that. But, yeah, that was probably somewhere around 84 where I was doing that. 84. Yeah. What year for you? When you actually attempted I got my your first, first turntables. I got my first turntables in 85. Um, so I would say, like, 85. So, you know, by the time I actually got on turntables, I learned to mix. It was weird because um, my cousin and I were – like, we kind of taught ourselves how to mix, and we would use the, the stereo in the house. Yep. So we would use that and whatever was playing on the radio. Exactly. So yeah, I did it. we literally learned to blend from taking a record out of your collection and blending it with something that was playing on the radio next to you. We didn't have two turntables. Mm. So, but we understood the concept because, you know, again, I went to the skating rink. He went to parties. You saw two turntables. You know what it was. But... So by the time I got on actual turntables that I purchased, it's like I already knew how to mix because I had already been mixing. I had been doing pause edits and, and blends and things of that nature for quite some time. So by the time, even the first time I DJed in the club, uh, I, Diz was talking about how you went from the skating rinks to the club. I went from the radio to the club. I had never DJed in a club but I had DJed in basement parties, mm -hmm. so I knew the thing was to get on the turntables and play the songs that people wanted to hear. So that's what you do. You get on, you play the heat. People still do that. The successful DJs are the ones that get on, play what the people want to hear, and rock the party. So let me, I ask every DJ guest that we had on here, I always ask them this question. Is there an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to ask the DJ to play a record? I don't think so. I, I come from the request era. That's That's... See, people over the years have just gotten irritating. So people people with their requests irritate the shit out of you to the point where DJs have got in this space. But I'm not up there playing for myself. So I've always welcomed what the people want to hear. It's just that when the people get indignant over the time, but how you, you ain't played my song. How come you ain't played my uh -huh. song? So. No, there, there's never been an, an unwritten rule to me for, for not playing nobody's requests. Okay. As for me, it's a little different, especially as I got older. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up listening to certain DJs, and I never had to go ask them to play something. I trusted them to take me on the journey that I wanted to experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I never ran to the booth and said, Frankie Knuckles, I want you to play Jamie Principal, Your Love, or Le Lewis, I want you to play French. Because I knew... He would get to my song sooner or later, right? And I would trust. I trusted those cats as DJs to take me on that journey where I didn't worry about it. I was like, I'm, I'm just gonna let them do their thing, and you know, and and listening to DJs has gotten a whole lot different now. I had the opportunity to travel outside of the United States, mm -hmm. and I remember when I went to Japan, they, 
the way they listen to music in the club is a lot different than the way people listen to it here. They come here in the States to hear that hit song. They hear that song, they want to sing along with it, they want to throw their hands up, they want to do all the dances to it. When I was in Japan, they came to get educated. They were like, I don't want to hear some new shit. I don't want to hear what that dude just played. Show me something new. What's the new thing? And it was a whole different vibe. I mean, I watched cats play sets for hours and not play one single familiar record. And the dance floor is just bananas because everybody's just like, wow, what is this? Mm -hmm. Who makes this? I got to get a copy of this. And, you know, it was a really different experience. So, you know, for me, hey, when I do play, you know, I tell everybody, trust the DJ. That's what I do. You'll get on the dance floor. I'll get you there. So, I mean, that's just how I see it. 1992. Yeah. What were were you doing in 1992, Diz? All right. So check this out. So I'm still at Club Ultimate. Club Ultimate is crazy. So Club Ultimate was from like 1991 to 1994. Club Ultimate is like nuts. One night I'm DJing. No, actually, okay, I got to back up. I'm in the record store and I'm selling selling what I got to sell on a Saturday night. And in walks Chili Q, who used to be on WHBK back in the day. Wow. And he came in my record store, and I was playing one of my mixes. And he was like, dude, what is this? And I told him, because I was playing, I was mixing some EPMD, some special ed, something like that. He said, hey, I'm doing a grand opener to this club, Club Ultimate. You should come up here. So he gave me some free passes, and it was Chili Q from HBK that invited me up to Club Ultimate the, the, that night. I talked to the owners, and Chili Q was like, I've heard this guy's mixtapes. You need to bring him up in here. So he was really instrumental for me getting the job there at Club Ultimate. When I got hired at Club Ultimate, the DJ that was playing for, before me was a guy named Jay Allen. Jay Allen was <laughs> DJ. <laughs> DJ right, he right. was playing from like 6 to 10. Okay. So he is actually mixing on the turntables, and then I would come on at 10 o'clock. And Jay would do what he had to do, and it just turns out, that Jay happened to line himself up as to become program director for Chicago's all 24-hour hip-hop radio station, which was WJPC 950 AM. Jay would watch me come on after him and just tear the club to pieces. And he said, hey, would you like to work on the radio station? I was just like, what I got to do? He was like, well, I, I need somebody to do some mixes. Would you do some mixes? So... Jay hired me on 9.50 a.m. It was me, Vinny Fresh Mix, Pink House, First Lady, El Transel, Diane. All of us, we were there. I got hired as a mixer to begin with, and I got paid $25 a week. And that was, like, the best job ever because now I'm working at a record store, I'm doing mixes on a radio station, and I'm DJing in a nightclub. So all of them are kind of feeding each other because, mm-hmm. you know, now we're moving into this whole rap radio thing. And at the time, it was owned by Johnson Publishing. That's why it was WJPC. Rap was still really new and coming. So I remember, like, when G, when we first got G-Thing, and I remember the first interview I ever did live on the air was Outkast. I swear, Big Boy and Andre were like 15 and 16 years old. Uh-huh. They came up there. They were still on the uh, LaFace Christmas tape. They didn't. Right. Their album had wasn't even out yet. Right. So I had got thrust right into that whole hip-hop thing. It was K-Solo, EPMD, Special Ed, Kwame, Das Effects, Common, when he was still Common Sense back then. And, so no, the, and no formal radio training through college, n- nothing like that none, at all, right? Because I just got started as a mixer to begin with. But I like being at the radio. I just... 
became the gopher guy. I used to just hang out at the radio station when I didn't have to work my other job. And one thing led to another. Somebody needed a commercial cut. They said, can you voice a spot for us? I said, sure, I go in there and read it. I started reading commercials. After a while, somebody decided to leave their on-air job and Jay was like, hey, you wanna do overnights? Do overnights. Oh, we need to do a reggae show? Do a reggae show. Oh, we need another mix show? Do a battle show. You know, so I kind of got, I was that six man. I was that, you know, the rotation guy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was my introduction to radio, which came out of Club Ultimate and, and got my first radio job, which was 950. 92. 92 for me. Mike um, Love, 92. I'm still in Milwaukee, still at uh, WLUM. Uh, by this time, I'm, I got an overnight shift, so I'm doing weekend mixes on Friday and Saturday. And I'm doing an overnight shift, midnight to 5, 5 in the morning. Um, I'm in the clubs. And for mix music-wise, it's starting to... The station I'm working for is kind of like a, a crossover station. So it's more like a B96. And if you listen to B96 over the years, their uh, format is always changing with the times and whatever the music is. So at one time, it'll be dance music. And then it'll like all of a sudden, it'll be rap. And so that's how the station that I work for. So in 92, uh, nationwide, all of the, a lot of the crossover stations started becoming hip-hop friendly as rap music started breaking through to the mainstream. So like Diz said, like the um, the Dr. Dre's of the world, uh, records like, you know, Das Effects, uh, Back back to the Hotel, all the crossover mm -hmm. records, the records like um, Candyman, Knocking the Boots. So, oh, so you yeah. had like the commercial joints, and then it started slowly getting a little... Harder, harder and harder, right? So, Ghetto slam, Boys slam by along. Onyx, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 92, 93, you started the the phase out of dance music was in, and this station that I was working for started going in a more hip hop direction. So, we were playing more rap, which was cool because that was all all I was playing in the streets by then, mm -hmm. in the clubs when I was DJing. That's what people wanted to hear. So, it was an easy transition for me, and I was the only mixer at the station because there wasn't outside of Chicago where it was a city with mixed teams. So mm. if he was on uh, JPC, they had a mixed team because right. the city has always been built like that. Hot Mix 5, Super Mix 6, you know, the college stations. There's always a team of mixers. So, but yeah, so I was the country, at, J it was so I was only at JPC, it was, me, it was me and Shaky Sean first. It was just us two. And then Vinny Fresh Mix and then Ferris came on later so yeah they, they, mike was right it was always like a team right it was at the team so with me but it was i was the only person so so i was the mixer any records that came for the mixer they came for me any mixes that needed to be done for the station i was doing them when did you two meet we met in 95, 95. when when diz started at gci i even i eventually got fired when the station changed formats in 94, I sent the tape to Chicago. They liked the tape. I got hired in 94, summer of 94. I worked with a, another guy for about a year. He eventually got fired. Uh, what was his name? Thomas Mack. He was still in checks. We talk about this. In, we talk about this in episode one, episode one of <laughs> right. the Chicago Famous podcast. Uh, I mean, but as it all turned out, 
And it's it's funny because somebody asked me, uh, because he was from North Chicago, and I interviewed on a radio station in North Chicago, and they actually knew this guy, Thomas Mack, who I work with. I, I was doing one night a week. I was doing 6 to 10, the all-request party on, on GCI on Saturday. That's the show that I got hired to do. And But he, because he was from North Chicago, they knew him, and they were like, I remember Thomas Mack, um, but he got fired, and you know he could have been he could have really done big things because you went on and did big things. And I was like, no, that's not to me. That's not how the world. That's not how things work. You know, right. if if Thomas Mack had never got fired, we would have gone in a completely different direction. What happened with me and Diz only happened because it was me and the Diz. So Diz. Thomas Mack gets fired in 95 for stealing, stealing people's checks and cashing them at the check cashing place. Scammer. <laughs> Motherfucking scammer. Chicago. Back a scammer. Chicago, scammer. Even then. Even Fucking then, scammer. Even then. Come on. Come on. The Damn. Sh- the Chicago way. Scamming ass nigga. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, so. but as it turns out, it, it, it works It works yeah, out it best all, for it, the story it, because, it right. because Diz comes on and, and the rest is the history. history. So, yeah, so that whole thing was crazy because I was at JPC for probably a year and a half, and then JPC folded, and it became 106 Jams. Right. So they switched the frequency from 9.50 a.m. to 106.3 or whatever it was, and it was 106 Jams for probably about a year. I never had an on-air shift at 106 Jams, but I was a board op for a few months. Then after a while, they just let me go. So I was looking for something to do. By that time, Club Ultimate, Club Premier closed down. So that was done. And um, why did it close down? Uh, the ownership sold it. It was owned by like a group of four guys, and then one guy bought everybody out. And then, and, you know, how clubs go I black mean, owned, white owned, black what? owned. Black yeah, owned. It was Nigga got tired, huh? Yep. Just, That's how it always is. Things happen. <laughs> nigga got, t- got just like tired. J&J's. Nigga got, <laughs> got tired. Got, nigga got tired. So I'm going to get to the kids. The kids were smoking crack now. Yep. That's yep. how fucked up it is in our community, man. The thing about it is, you got a good thing going, a good club going, and then you sell it. Yeah. Because well. you're tired. Yep. So I tried to figure out what I was going to do. <laughs> so I go back to my record store days. And... um when I was running the record store in Lincoln Mall, one of the things that I wanted to do was to bring a lot of the Chicago culture, whether it's house music and hip-hop music, out into the suburbs. Because I was tired of going to Evergreen Plaza to buy records. I was tired of going to Imports. I was tired of going to Loop. So I was able to get those records out into the suburbs. So those of us that lived out there never had to go to the city again because people bought records for me. So... I used to buy my records directly from Rocky Jones, who ran DJ International Records here in Chicago, which put mm. out a, numerous house records and, of course, the Fast Eddies and the Cool Rock Steady. So I happened to know his assistant worked there, Yaya, and she asked me if I would be interested in running their record pool. So I got a job running DJ International's record pool. So I'm down in the basement when Julian Perez and everybody else is upstairs making all their hip house records or whatever. I'm the one downstairs packaging these records and sending them out for the record pool. At that time, Rocky Jones, and this goes back to the girl who asked the question, Rocky Jones, the owner of DJ International, decided to come out with a hip-hop show. And I can't remember, I remember it as at the Hop Shop, kind of like a video soul type thing with a host. We're going to talk to artists, what's happening. It was a video show, just yeah. a you know, hip-hop kind of video show. Anyway, one day the host got sick, and they were supposed to interview Rick Party. And, but the host wasn't there, and Rocky was like, we got to do this interview. 
So he came down there and saw me. He was like, you used to do radio, right? I said, yeah. He said, would you mind doing an interview for me? I said, who we got to interview? He said, Rick Party. I said, fine. So jumped in the car, Rocky Jones, went down to 332 South Michigan, went up there, and I was interviewing Rick Party for this hip-hop show, asking him about, you know, how he likes radio, what he did and all that. It just so happens that Elroy Smith, program director, walked in the studio, watched me interview Rick, and was like, okay, who is this guy? So when the interview was over, he stopped me on the way out the door, and he asked me my name, and he asked what did I do, and I told him where I came from and what I did. He was like, do you have a number? And I was like, sure. So I gave him my number. I didn't think two, two thoughts about it. 11 o'clock the next morning, I'm at home. That's when you had the answer machine. Mm-hmm. Answer machine goes off. Doot. I hear, uh, Diz? Uh, this is Elroy Smith from Elroy's WGCI. Actual voice. Right. right. He's like, he's like, um, would you mind coming down to WGCI? I'd like to talk to you. I like fell over the bed grabbing the phone. Grabbed the phone. I'm like, oh, I'm like, hello, I'm here, I'm here. He was like, oh, you're there. He's like, uh, I, I remember the interview yesterday. Would you like to come down and I'd like to talk to you about something? So he brought me down to GCI. He told me that he had Mike Love on the radio. They were doing this all request party. He started asking me about questions about Chicago, and I knew everything, every school, every corner, every liquor store, name it, I know it. And Mm -hmm. he said, you know, I got Mike, but Mike's from Milwaukee. I kind of like my shows to kind of have a more of a Chicago vibe, and you got that Chicago. It's like you're dripping off of you. Would you mind working with this cat? I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he wheels me in there. Mike Love meet the Diz. The Diz meet Mike Love. Make it work. And, you know, we, we talked about this on our podcast, Chicago Famous. Episode two. The thing that, that drove us and made us the success that we are to is we've day. always had the same vision. No matter what was going on, our vision was to win all the championships. So whether he was having a bad day or I'm having a bad day or whatever's going on, all that went off the table when it came to this radio show because all we wanted to do was win. And we didn't just want to win. We wanted to smack everybody down, hence the bad boy smack. So that's how I got introduced to Mike Love, and that's how we got put together. Hand claps. The thing about it was... When he came in the studio in 95, he was a DJ. I was a DJ. So we really just bonded and talked about our lives and DJing. So what I was playing in my clubs, what he was playing in his clubs, what was working for him. He worked in a record store. I worked in a record yep. store. Yep. Which, so record, we, which record store were you at? I was at Audio Vibe in Milwaukee. So Milwaukee, by this okay, time, okay. I, had a, um, I still lived in Milwaukee. I was coming down to Chicago on Saturday nights to, to do the All Request show. This was before we got our second show. They eventually put us on Sunday, and we did Old School Sunday. So they um, eventually, uh, who was doing Old School Sunday before? Howard. Howard. Crazy Howard. So Crazy Howard was doing Old School Sunday. So we talked about what, what was working in the clubs. We talked about what, you know, what records we were selling in our record stores. So we just vibed, and we had a very similar upbringing we we both spun we both are on radio so we just always concentrated and talked about the things that we had in common and we had a lot in common djing working in record stores worked in radio and we just made it work from Mm -hmm. there and that's how we eventually grew and our camaraderie and our rapport grew from just having very similar we're we're very different but very similar in in that way mm-hmm. so so that's it so you worked your way up from 95 
you you got together. He put Elroy put y'all together. Mm-hmm. What's the other cat's name besides Elroy? The other Marv, cat, Marv, Marv Dyson. Marv, Marv Dyson. Yeah. yeah. Now, which one was over who? Marv was the boss boss, so he yeah. was the general manager, and, and Elroy was the program director. Which one y'all used to make fun of all the time? The short guy. That was Marv. That was Marv. That was Marv. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> made fun of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had a good. They all had a good sense of humor, though. You, you, you could you could talk about all of them yeah. back back. I think people are super sensitive now, and you you couldn't really get away with it. Plus, it would probably be like some negativity underlying it. Mm-hmm. But can't they, say shit no more. Mm-hmm. No, nah, but like them cats was real, man. Marvin yeah, Dyson, one of the realest no motherfuckers yeah. ever, 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 ever. <laughs> like, yeah, give ever. an example. Okay, here. Well, I, well, it was what? What was our podcast? Uh, the story podcast. This is episode three. Episode three. Make sure you guys check out the Chicago Famous podcast. All of these stories we go through, but we gonna go through them. So yeah. this is I got a story to tell. That, yeah, that the I got a story we to tell. Did but tell stories. Stories. So what happened was, me and Mike were on the air, and it was time for a callback. So that means there was somebody out in the street representing the station that was calling back to the station to let us know where they were and what they were giving away. So at that time, it was this guy named Ron Baker, aka Ron Bizza. He happens to be at Peppy's in Country Club Hills. So he calls us up. And normally we would record this. We record it and then we'd play it coming out of the break. But Ron was late. So we said, we're just going to go live. We know he's not going to curse. Just keep it under a minute. Do what you got to do. So Mike picks it up. We're going to go live to the street. Ron Baker Jr., what's happening? He's like, yo, this is Ron Bizza. I'm here at Pepe's and Country Club Hills. I got Luther Vandross tickets. Come on down and see me. We're doing big things. We're going to be here at 7 o'clock. And all of a sudden you heard. It's a great story. And we're like. What the hell was that? And a crackhead had jumped in the GCI van and drove off <laughs> because wow. he was standing outside on the phone with us. And we're live on air, so we heard the van screech off. Wow. And, and Ron pauses, and then we're like, dude, Ron, are you there? And he's like, uh, bad boys, somebody just took the sound machine. Now, keep in mind, we are live on the air. So that means everybody in Chicago is listening. So people out in Country Club Hills are listening. So now they decide, we'll get the van back for you. So regular folks are chasing the GCI van van down Cicero. The police are trying to catch the van, but people are like, fuck that. I could get Luther Vandross tickets if I get this van back. So this whole chase is taking place, and people, I mean, we're like, it's just, it's crazy. We're like, Ron, we gotta let you go, and the police are calling, and the whole thing is going on, and Marv Dyson walks in the studio. Like I said, Marv Dyson's like five feet tall. Marv Marv Dyson walks in the studio. He goes, that nigga just say the Van Gusto. <laughs> and he said it with his face. He said it with his face. And we're looking like, yeah. It just got Marv. stolen. And you, the, the look on Marv's face was priceless. Because yeah. he was just like, I can't believe what I just heard. But the, the way he said nigga. that, he was just like, did that nigga just say the Van Gusto? <laughs> we were like, wow. So eventually they ended up crashing it into a tree in the middle of a field in Markham somewhere and got out and ran. And we eventually got the GCI van yeah, back did. and in the story. But, yeah, that was just 
the Marv's reaction to that was Absolutely. just priceless. Like stole the sound machine. Stole the sound machine. Wow. Just jumped in it and on live, off. On live, on, on live. Any yeah. other time we would have recorded that and it wouldn't have went yeah. out on the air and we could have handled it. But that particular that day we were time. live on the air and everybody heard it and then everybody wanted to be the hero. Like, we'll chase it down right. for you. And it, was, it was crazy. They want them loot the tickets. Right. Hilarious. This is nuts. 97. You both um, start um, five days a week, correct? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. when we took over. What year, what, what, what day, what year and date? Let's see if you all remember. January 1st was the official day. The official day. The yeah. official day, January. Uh, 1997? 19, well, whatever the first day of the week. I always say January 1st because, you I'm know. 18 but, years old. Yep. It was 18, January 1st, 1997. We take over uh, nights on GCI. Mike Love and Diz, the mm. bad boys. You get that call from who? While we're on the air, yeah. Who did we get calls from? We got oh. a call. We got a call Puffy from Puffy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, Puffy. Puffy called. We got a call from Puffy. Yeah. Puffy, right, right. Puffy. Yeah. Puffy, Puffy Mason was the lot. There's there. And yeah. Mike. <laughs> no, I thought you meant the boss. Like no, you got no, a call no. from the boss that said y'all got the job. No, um, we got a call from Puffy uh, to congratulate us, and Biggie was on the phone with him. Mm-hmm. Right, and. Like, that's the only time that we got a chance to talk to Big because he obviously he got uh, murdered on March 9th, um, you know. But, yeah, we got it. We got the call from Puff, you know, congratulating us as bad boys. He's bad, bad boy label. And, and, you know, Big, I mean, again, that's the only time that we got a chance to talk to Biggie. And, you know, we really had planned to do big things. Another one of the stories that we tell on the story episode of Chicago Famous is um, in January of that month, we, we had did the this bad boys coming out party, for lack of a better term. Right, the House of Blues. Yeah, so we did this party at House of Blues with Men Condition. So Men Condition performed. It was a free show. The only way you could get tickets is listening to the bad boys. So we... We packed the place, packed House of Blues, Mint Condition. The Brad is there. It's just a great show. Okay, wait, so, wait, wait, wait. Real, just real quick. Okay. The Brat. She didn't perform. Was the, was the Brat in in that in that suit, the Brat, or was she in, in the flannel <laughs> shits, the Brat? Come on. You got to give context here. Brat is. You got to give context here. We talking I about. I think she's coming out of the flannel by 97. I'm pretty yeah. sure. 90, is, the flannel yeah. is still, yeah, that's early 90s. That's, yeah. that's yeah, that's coming off the Snoop D-O-double-G era. So, I'm, I can't remember what she had on, but she, she definitely wasn't flannel brat by 97, I don't think. So, so she, so she was basically. Was she was she getting hit by Iverson Brett or was she sucking some pussy? That's a good question. Come on, hey, that's, hey, that's, 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 that's not for a couple. That's not for a couple of more years. Proper that's, that's not proper context. That's not for a couple of more years. No, that was around that. Was she ninety seven? He what was a rookie she, in ninety six. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven was his rookie year. That was. I'm still I'm still sucking pussy. <laughs> ah, I'm still taking. Ignorance. I'll take your bitch. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Your that okay, cool. Take your bitch. It's, it's, okay. it's a difference between no, the no, two. No, 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 yeah, no. It, no disrespect. I mean, yeah. I mean just, we can be talk here, right? Right, right. Like, come on. I mean, <laughs> shit. It's, it's a difference between the two. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> it's the difference. One is, I'll take your bitch. Jody got your bitch and gone. And the other one is, 
uh, what you like, Brat, in the video. Remember no, right, right, yeah. right. So 2000, he trying to he trying to get a proper context. No, proper context. No, she's here. still she's still eating pussy. She's okay. still West eating side, pussy. West side, West straight side. off the West Side, Brat. Straight off the she's West still side. eating box. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hit it. <laughs> oh man, breaking out the strap rocks. <laughs> Before Young M.A. Before, right. Before Young M.A. Right. right. That motherfucker, woo, God. Oh, my God. Like, anyway. It, no. Go so ahead. we, um, <laughs> so we, we, we're setting up to do part two uh, of uh, the Bad Boys. We're going to do a series of these parties at the House of Blues. And Biggie's uh, Life After Death album is scheduled to come out in March. Yep. And we are going to announce... On Monday, March 11th, no, March 10th. March 10th. Yep. March 10th, Monday, March 10th, 1997. We are set to announce that we are going to have Biggie's album release party at the House of Blues um, on the day that his album is released. God. So the day that his album is coming out, he's going to be in Chicago performing with Mike Love and the Diz at our second Bad Boys Party. And we and we got the tickets. So we got nobody's the tickets. got the, the tickets. Only the only way, way you can go is to get the tickets from us. We're going to announce mm. this on Monday, Monday. Wow. March 10th. So we're, we're telling people Friday night we have a major, major announcement, announcement Monday. You don't want to miss this announcement. Wow. And this announcement is ends up being like how when we when we kicked off the Chicago Famous podcast right around the time that the coronavirus dropped and the coronavirus dropping was our biggie moment. So obviously everybody that knows hip hop and knows music knows that yeah. you know Notorious Big was killed on March 9th in Los Angeles and there was obviously no party, no announcement, but we were in the studio on Monday like, "Oh, we actually had an announcement to make, but you know, Big got killed over the weekend." <laughs> yeah, so crazy. Yeah, so Damn. that that was really one of the most bizarre turn of events, you know. Uh, certainly could have been one of the great parties, one of, been one of the great events of, of our era, but it never happened because mm -hmm. the man got killed. Mm -hmm. mm. Stories. That was stories. Stories. Should have said stories. That was Constant Walker, who uh, asked about Go TV. Okay. Shout out to my man, Constant Walker. What up? Out there in L.A. You say more. You know. You know what you're talking yep. about and everything. Um, Go ahead. No, I, I was just thinking about he's bringing up March of 1997. I remember when the album dropped. That was my senior year. I remember driving to school, putting the album in, listening to it. Like I remember mm -hmm. just that whole that, that whole year, and it was culminated with me graduating. But the Biggie death that year, I just remember just right. everything vividly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very vivid. Very vivid, man. Very one of those moments in hip hop. You know, you remember where you are yeah. when you heard yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, pop, big pop. Mm -hmm. You know. I, I think about records that GCI played to death, and there was a lot of records that that station played over and over again. But Hypnotize was definitely oh, the top of that list. The top. I mean, we played Hypnotize. It seemed like every 20 minutes Hypnotize was yeah. playing. And that yeah. record was so large. Yeah. So not only did you have the regular hip-hop people that were into Biggie, but just regular mom and pops were on that song just because of the sample it used from Herb Albert and mm -hmm. just because it was being played so much. You know, I remember like, hanging out with uh, DJ Funk out west. 
and this is in the heart. Like DJ West is killing, DJ Funk is killing it on the West Side. All he does is juke and like his mixtapes that he's doing, mm-hmm. killing them. Him, Jam and Gerald, all the cats out West. And I'll never forget riding with Funk on the West Side, and he's playing hypnotized. Like on some car booty shit, like <laughs> trying to yep. get the hoes like that. Like you was playing rap, like the house dude, the juke DJ music Funk. dude, DJ Funk yeah. playing fucking. Everybody not, that. You could not deny you that. Everybody know that name, my West man, yeah. DJ Funk. Oh yeah, never heard oh, of. Yeah. Never heard of Funk. Really, no. Jam and Gerald. No. So you're uh, a Southsider, right? Yeah, I'm Southsider. Okay, so when it was, we were out west, we were with Gerald, and we were with. DJ Funk, Wax. and then on the Wax Master. Wax Master. Yeah. So Wax on the Master South Side, yeah. the South Side, it was DJ Chip, uh, okay. Poncho. Right. Um, well, what are the Juke guys that were, you know, we just teamed up with. Gant but, Man. You know, Gant Man. Yeah, cats from the South. You ever heard Sluggo? Of, yeah, Sluggo. Sluggo. You ever heard of DJ Dion? Uh, Dion. Yeah. Dion. Okay. Yep. Okay, so, so okay. Um, another question came in from uh, people that we know, we, we all know. Uh, in Radio Land. How much well, Radio Groupies back in 96. Radio Groupies back in 96. Can you elaborate or not? What about them? How were, were they? they? Were they off the chain? <laughs> Bombs! <laughs> you know what? Can man? I start? I'll get you. Go for it. Come on, Diz. Start this. Okay. What you all, everybody out there listening, what you all have to realize that back in 96, we still didn't have Facebook. We didn't have social media. So basically our social media was the request line. And goddamn, I swear, and I'm I'm keep it real here. I would probably say out of a hundred women that call the request line, <laughs> maybe two right. were exactly like they said they were. You would always get that one that would call up and be like, hey, Mike Love, hey, Diz, this juicy fruit. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we like all With a shit. nice voice. Mm-hmm. With a nice voice. Let me just say that with voices, don't go yeah, with voices. Exactly. Bow! Don't go when with it, voices. When it come with a radio. You can hit a rewind on that shit. Mo- don't go with voices. <laughs> when motherfuckers Ever. call a radio station, the sexier they sounded, no. the more disappointment. You just might as well yeah. jump in the Grand Canyon. Damn. Damn. Pop it. So, so yeah. If she sounded like a little ugly or like had a little, like she was a bad bitch. And you always (laughs) had a wonder because they always had that nickname. You know, you always had caramel, juicy, chocolate. Like these were all the adjectives they was going to throw. You know, ah, to, ah, to make you go, huh? And then, sure of course, were. you know, me and Mike, we was in the clubs all the time. So we, the way we would handle this is we like, I tell you what, we'll put your name on the guest list. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we put their name on the guest list, and we'd be looking at that guest list to see who would come in there. And like I said, nine times out of ten, and I'm not saying that they were all ugly, but just not what. Women that call the radio station. Because a lot of times, women who would call the radio station, and it probably still holds true to this day when you talk about dating online, women will tell you shit that they think you need to know. Mm -hmm. They'll just leave out certain shit. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm 5'5", light-skinned, hazel eyes, long brown hair. I'm 138 pounds. I got it going on. Okay, right now I'm like, blam, okay? And then you meet them, and they did, they're missing an arm. <laughs> 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 or, 
or the skin is bad, or the teeth is missing, or I used to do crack, but I'm, I gave myself the Jesus now, and I don't do that anymore, but they're looking at you from two different directions. What you say, Diz, they I left that part out. They right. left that they part left, out. So, 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 they didn't uh, lie. Uh, no, they didn't lie to uh, you. They didn't tell you some shit. They didn't tell you that I was, you know, I look like so-and-so, and they don't. Right. They didn't lie. They just left out certain right. shit. I mean, I go all the way back to my JPC days because, like I said, when you were doing an overnight shift, oh, dude, I know Mike would know. It was just we you used and to the, get, and Man, the, and it the was you line. and the request line. And you'd be like, you'd get be them 5 the o'clock calls. You get off, I come over, I give you a massage. And you'd be like, oh, I met shit. one or two bad ones like, on, the, on the request line. Though. Two. Exactly. I got, I, two. Uh-huh, and it was man. funny because both of them were from California. Wow. Both of them were wow. from California. Two on the request line. But obviously in the clubs, once you hit the, the clubs, you can see everybody face-to-face, and that's where you did. But nowadays you don't even go you to did. the clubs. So. Yeah, that's where you did yeah. most of your damage. So, you know, you young, they young, everybody's going. Everybody's yeah. going. How much pussy was offered and did y'all take Absolutely. back then? There was pussy. There was pussy Absolutely. offered. And, yeah. Yeah, you strapped no, up. No, Jamal, not taking. Let's be. Yeah, this yeah. is their own living. <laughs> easy, Don't easy. say taking. I easy. can't say the word took down. No, Don't say no, that because right. then people are going to come just, back on us. Yeah. Like right. Mike Love and taken. Diz was taking pussy. The Chicago it, famous guys. Right. Pussy taking. It was right. offered right. and they accepted Rewind. mutually. Rewind. Thank you. Rewind. You're right. Coach Moses. Thank you. Let's, let's get the proper terminology. Shit, we might have sponsors that's in the future, goddamn That's fucked up, man. We can't even, we no, can't we, talk we, like men. We can't. You can't. Me too. We can't. Me three. You see what I, happened? I, but I'd, I'd admit, though, I was still scary. Even yeah. in my prime GCI days, I was still paranoid. Because, you know, like I said, working in radio, especially a station as big as GCI, we all had stalkers. Everybody that worked at the radio station had a stalker. You, you had what, a stalker? And what people don't realize is a stalker is not somebody you met in the club, kicked it with, laid down with, and then you decided you didn't like them no more. Mm-hmm. No, stalkers are much different. Mm-hmm. Like, I once had a stalker where a lady thought that I was her dead husband on the radio. Damn. And she would be calling, leaving messages, telling me, when am I coming home? And I didn't know what this lady was talking about. And... You know, it's just one of those things. So I mean, we all have pretty she much was, had. She it. had PTSD or something. something. She was a veteran or something. Something, I don't know, something like, crazy. But I mean, 90s, you know, but I mean that war was. that happens, and then of course you <laughs> know, Desert Storm. <laughs> She's a desert storm bitch. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you know, when you're making, when you're young and you're making a lot of money like that, you got things rolling. Yeah, you want to have yeah. some fun, but at the same time, you don't want that shit all of a sudden disappear either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, you just have to you. You definitely have to use discretion. You use a lot of discretion. Uh, but the first two episodes of Chicago Famous are called "We Used to Be Stars" because we was fucking stars, like. But you said 96. We wasn't even on seven days a week, five days a week. We was on two days a week and was still killing it. Like, you could be on on the weekends on GCI and you're killing it. In your space with the bitches, with the ladies, whatever the fuck you want to call them. So we on doing all request party on Saturday, old school Sunday on Sunday. And still and killing still it, killing. and still killing it with bitches. Still, I mean that GCI two days brand a week. was heavy. Yeah, it was yeah. heavy because yeah. then you know we yeah. talking again. We talking the the prime years of people listening to the radio. And again, that was yeah, me. that's was, that, that's that right. Me. And, and again, that's and when radio really mattered. I mean, if you wanted to hear the new Twister record, 
You had to listen to us. And y'all wasn't no, it. Wasn't no internet. Wasn't no it. website. Yeah. Yeah, you, had, you had to listen at 8 o'clock for the world yeah. premiere. Ain't no world premiere no more. I mean, people hear stuff all the time now, so nobody tunes in the radio like they used to. So it was a lot different back then. Right. So, you know, we had, we had that kind of role, that kind of leverage. I got to ask. Um, I'm going to go there. I got to ask, though. Um, your relationships with record labels at that time? Both of y'all. Being what? DJs, being great. former former oh, great. Yeah, great. great. And you know, it's funny because I think both of us, I mean, we knew a lot of the reps already because we were in the clubs. I mean, I used to see these people in the clubs all the time back in the club ultimate days or Riviera days. So my transition from the club to the radio, I mean, they moved on as well. So and a lot of those people we still keep in touch with to this day. So okay. that was good. Yeah, it was it was always good. Yeah, yeah. Record record. Labels like they made sure that you, you had all the music, you had the wax, you had mm-hmm. the CDs, you know. Plus, we were on six to ten, so they made sure that we were aware of everything that was, that was coming out. So we had our, our vinyl, you know. We got our plaques and all of that. So yeah, we had we had an exceptional um, relationship with record labels. Was it days where you all didn't fuck? You was like, fuck this. I'm, I don't feel like going out tonight. I don't feel like going dealing with this shit tonight. It was right after you get off your shift from no, six to ten, no, was it days no, like that or was it no, like no, not, no, not back no, then? Nigga. First of all, it was usually money always involved when we was going out. So okay. yeah, we're gonna go make this money. Yeah. And second of all, it was just you know I mean we do our show for four hours and we be hyped. It's ten o'clock. It was like we'll get into right. now. So exactly. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, you hit the streets. You hit the streets um, every so, night. Damn near. Yeah, damn near every damn night. Damn near. So if if we if we wasn't DJing or having a party, which we which we had like, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday yeah, on Usually lot. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we were always in a club. Monday, so. Tuesday, Wednesday, I might, you know, just be popping around, like we might just go hang out at the spot or go check some shit out, you know. What uh you guys still remember what clubs were you guys doing at that time? All right, well... I'm trying to remember if I ever... 50 Yard, the new 50 okay. in Harvey, okay. which was kind of like where we kind of kicked off everything. Okay. So that was one of them. And then if we're talking in the city, man, you had Liquid, you had the Mint, you man, had the, mint. the Convent, oh, uh, oh, the Baja Beach Club. Yeah. You know, Mike was at the Biology Bar. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, we, we pretty much okay. hit them all. Okay. So even the warehouse was still open on Randolph mm-hmm. back when we were first started. So we even went down there. Okay. Because I was in college. I was in, I was at Lewis University from '97 to 2001. So a lot of them places are those clubs mm-hmm. that I would you know hang out at, mm-hmm. kick it at. So a lot of them places I still remember. Uh, the men used to be off the chain. Off the chain. Man, the men in the biology bar, some of the two best. Clubs that I've had the most fun at. Yeah, back when parties were parties, man. Parties, like, you know. Diz had he posted on uh, his Facebook page um, just some video from like one of the parties, and they they talk about the club now. They they say it's a movie. Like the shit that he posted, I saw. I was like, everybody was dancing. It, it was like today's movie of everybody standing around. Okay, but. 
that many people dancing and partying. It was just I was just, I had forgotten. So people were dancing and not none of this. Oh no! I mean, yeah. that, you see, that was the thing, though. See, back then there was no smartphones, uh-huh. so people weren't holding up their phones. Were actually recording the moment. They mm-hmm. were actually living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be a dude with a camcorder in the club all the time. Right. Right. And I'm glad that I always kept my camcorder and recorded all that stuff right. because if I had hadn't did that. There would be no footage of that anywhere. But I got footage, I got hours Tons. of party footage from the 90s that is just crazy. When the South took over hip-hop, how'd you feel? This is like mid-2000s. I remember like it was uh, a... Let's, let's go back even further before then. I'm, let me just, can you say 97? Or say I mean, the same if, time? If, if you... With P&M? If, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that's oh, a P.A. You want to go yeah. there? No, no limit. Go there. That's where they want to go. Okay. No we didn't know if you wanted to do I'm Ludacris, thinking, no, Little Laffy John, Taffy. or you wanted to do the No Limit no Run. Limit. Okay. Oh, yeah. You got to do the No Limit Run because... Because no, that was 97. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. That's yeah. the apex well, of that. That's, yeah, we can, 97. We can talk about that Summer in 97, fucking Make Him Say Uh was the hottest fucking record in the clubs. And, yeah, we was down with that shit. Like... If it was hot and we was playing it from No Limit to Cash Money, you know, when Cash Money mm-hmm. popped on the scene at 98, 99, mm-hmm. even though they had been underground for a couple of years, uh, P&M had their little run, I think, 96 to 98-ish, where they was dropping heat, heat, like heat after heat. You know, one story that we love to tell is we were at the amphitheater. Shout out to uh, the folks, folks and them. Folks and them. <laughs> Yes, man. One of the greatest shows of ever, all time ever at, at the amphitheater. <laughs> you know, y'all know folks folks ran the amphitheater. Right. Yeah, right. folks but, ran, rolled the tank up here. And they, that's back when P and M were I mean they were They was hot hot. They were just fire hot. And the motherfuckers came out <laughs> they came out to We Know Limit Soldiers. Soldiers. Like what you see the Master P and them doing this little Master P tour is like nothing compared to how that spot went up when them motherfuckers came out and was doing that. They came out in the camouflage. They had the tank. With that beat. It, it that, was that as beat was real hard, and as grimy. And, I mean, all of them were there. Yeah. That's like what Mystical was just right. spitting. And you'd see Murder Nobody was there. Nobody was in jail. was there. Right. And Silver, like, right. All of them. All of them Mr. Servon. The whole tank came up here for that yeah. event. Y'all was hosting and at that, that time. Crazy. Was hosting. Yeah. Y'all was hosting the, sh- the show at yeah. the amphitheater. And it, I swear, it looked like that scene from The Warriors where everybody went down to see Cyrus. It looked exactly, exactly like that. Like Every that. gang in this city was in that venue that night. And there was a serious peace treaty going on because everybody was like, look, we're not going to fight tonight. We're coming out here to see the tank. Right. And it yeah. just it, it just rolled. I think Twister opened that show. But, I mean, it was just. Yeah, that, Jamal, that, Twister opened. That, that was an incredible <laughs> show. What, so. what y'all got a battle with? He don't like West Side Rappers. Oh. Him or Magic Mike. I tell, Magic I tell, Mike does I tell people it's this. It's cool. I like songs. But if you ask me about Twister's catalog, I can't tell you all about his catalog. I can tell you about certain songs about Twist. I will say that. I mean, I, I seen him back when I was in Carbondale when he had a ponytail. I say, I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I do, <laughs> I do say, say it to my there. people. I say that there has always been a separation, the West Side 
I mean, obviously Always. there's a West Side, South Side separation. Always. But even when it comes to fandom of the music, like West Side motherfuckers love Twister, Psychodrama, Crucial Conflict. Like they know them albums inside. Do or die. Mm-hmm. They know them albums inside out. And Southsiders know a song or two. They don't fuck. And and you could, if Crucial Conflict was in this room right now, they would be like, Mike Love, we got fans out South. And I would mm-hmm. be like, you are absolutely right. You yep. do. However, Southsiders like y'all songs. They You're like right. specific songs from y'all. Y'all fans is on the West Side. You're right. West Side. Just because like, people just like also, West Siders don't. people also know what flag they fly, too. That too, because we know what flag Crucial Conflict flies, and hey, like I said, people will love their songs, but hey, you, you vice lords, and you run up in the wrong place on the south side. I don't care how <laughs> hot song? your song is. What's they song you on their first broke album? Broken to the left, man. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. We drawing the it fucking line in the sand on the first album. We let you. Know, you should have broken to the, to the left, left, man. Who the fuck else yeah. in the history of Chicago rappers? <laughs> <laughs> did a song like that on their first album. Common ain't do. I mean, Common be dropping a little here and there, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm talking about like drew a line in the sand. This is who yeah. the fuck they most famous song of all time. You know, what we going to what we going to do, Lord? Yeah. What's, what's yeah. the song? What we going to do, Lord? Uh, Uchi Kuchi, everything. Yeah, rodeo. Ride the rodeo. rodeo. Like yeah. why you oh, why you bullshitting and, and you speak the truth? Majority of the rappers who have gotten on, got deals and everything, have run up under the five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Think about it. I mean, you got Bump. Who else? Bump J. You got uh, Twister. You got, I don't know about Lupe. I'm not sure. I don't know what. Yeah, his, his, his CEO was one, so. Right. Um, it was funny. I told this story back again. Chicago Famous Podcast. Check it out. Everywhere you find podcasts. Um, the first time I met Crucial Conflict, I think we were at George's Music Room or something like that. Oh, hey, yeah. hey was out. Everything was cool. And Hilarious. I can't remember if it was Kilo or if it was Kohard. Anyway, they walked to me. was like, Mike Love and Diz, what's up, Diz? And they reached out and shook my hand. And we were like, and I was like, boop. Like, I threw the fork. They threw, they threw at the can. And they looked at me like, huh? And I looked at them like, what? And they was like. Oh, that's all right, man. We, we all good, but talk about the awkward moment. And it was like, I wasn't thinking about it at all. Yeah. I just know. He's just flashing that back to his family moment. Flashing back to <laughs> seeing all my cousins <laughs> over there in Terror Town and everywhere else. I'm like, right. oh, geez, so just... that's how we shake hands. That's how it always happened. <laughs> right. I wasn't thinking about that. And it was, man, it was that weird, awkward moment. Has like, that ever happened to you, Jamal, where real? you just forgot where you was? <laughs> right. and just like, yeah. like, oh, shit. Start shaking up, and yeah. then it's like. But to, the, to this day. At times, it still happens to this day. <laughs> right. And, and trust me, I'm, I'm a Sigma now, and I'm, um, you know. Family man and everything, business owner and stuff like that. But, you know, you at lo- times you still get drawn back in. Yeah. 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 I mean, to this day, though, I mean, yeah, them is the coolest brothers ever. I mean, I love Crucial Conflict with all my heart. They've always been down with now. us. They always looked out for us. I mean, dude. them cats are some of the yeah. realest cats ever. So they okay. nothing but love them. Absolutely. You, um, Y'all got any uh, R. Kelly stories? Meeting him? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my favorite random R. Kelly story. stories. You gotta set this up right. Stories. Hit the drums. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so I'm out in the streets. It's, I'm hanging out with, with one of my girls. I'm hanging out with my girl, Chris. You know, I got my people that I hang out with, you know, just go to parties. And we over in the, we on like Clybourne over in that area, just in the Clybourne Club area. Mm -hmm. And we walking from one spot to another spot, you know, just on our way someplace. And um, a Rolls Royce pulls up to a light and this guy yells out the window. He like, hey, Mike, Mike Love. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's R. Kelly. He like, where you going, man? This really happened. I know I haven't told this story on the podcast. And he like, where Exclusive. you? Yes. He like, where yes. you going? Yes. He like, man, we just out here. We going to a club. He like, man, come on, come on, ride with us. Now, he don't mean get in my car. <laughs> it's it's like a caravan oh, yeah. of cars yeah. behind him. So he like hop in with my people. So I hop in the car, me and the girl that I'm hanging out with, we hop in, in the car behind them, and we all roll to a club on Halsted, and I can't remember the name of the club, but it's like Halsted, um, just south of Lake Street. And our, we pull up to the club first, and R. Kelly pulls up to the club, and I promise you, now, by this time, Aaliyah's dead. Like, she's dead dead. This is like 02, 03. We pull up to the club, and this nigga is bumping some Aaliyah. Like, <laughs> in, in tribute or some shit like that. Like, oh, this, shit. Nigga, this oh, nigga shit. is playing, but oh, he's shit. playing Aaliyah from the AJ Nothing But a Number oh, shit. I'm not no. lying. I'm not lying. This nigga. Bombs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this nigga is bumping the Aaliyah. Like, bump, bumping oh, that shit no. like it's brand Four new. Four-page letter. <laughs> I can't remember what joint it was. But Probably AJ number the number, but go ahead. But go ahead. But Kells, yeah, that's... Four-page letter. We eventually go in the club, and uh -huh. everybody's just kind of... <gasps> He's like King Kells by the time he gets in the club. So he never gets up out of his seat. People always come up to him, and he's like the king. So people approach him, and they speak, and they all of this. And we was kind of all in the same VIP area. But, you know, we had stories of him at the radio station, too. But that's just like Did he have the orange glow and the orange haze like Rick James? <laughs> that, that aura? <laughs> yeah, this orange See this aura. aura. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking Kells at the shit. And I'm like, you know, should I go kicking it with his boys or not? Man, we My got ghetto the ghetto side is like, fuck it. I don't want to the club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, we're kicking it with Kells. We don't know how the going to end with this nigga. Any, anything is possible. Right. This is, this is Kells at his greatest. Did you all go out to the mansion? When it was time for for new music, I went out. I went out to the mansion. You never went. I never went. Never, Why not? Never and it's for like new music. It's probably like five minutes from my house, and I never went. Why? I just never went. You didn't fuck with him at all, or no? I mean, it was cool. Reasons, I just or? nope. I just never went. You weren't. You didn't. I just all that didn't pompous get, circumstance. Didn't get the invite. Didn't just. I don't know. I had other shit just going never on. Never went. Gotcha. Just okay. never went. You said you went, but it wasn't uh, for music. No, it was just a random ass party. Okay. It was just a random party at Kell's crib, the, the big house out in Olympia Fields. Mm -hmm. yep. You had to sign the NDA. Yep. I had to sign the NDA and leave your phone. Leave, leave your, your phone. phone. Didn't you have to park like down at the Holiday Inn or something like that, and they drove you down there? Or something? <laughs> no, no. I, that was the rule, man. I heard that. I heard that one. Gotta time. leave I, your phone. 
You left your phone. That it was, was like, room. yeah, you left your phone. But we did see the grotto. We saw that you saw the grotto from the from the yep. uh, take from the sex tape. Yeah, I almost fucked this girl in the closet that night. Bombs! Our, wait, what? Closet? What? Yeah. <laughs> another exclusive. Uh, another from another look. This is awesome. Oh my god! That was a crazy night. That was a crazy because <laughs> motherfuckers is in R. Kelly's house. Yeah, and not everybody can fuck R. Kelly, but everybody wants to fuck R. Kelly. Right. So there are certain times where we, where you know women is just going. Oh damn! I can't fuck R. Kelly. Who else is in this? Right. Motherfucker? Oh, Mike Love. You. Right, let me give him some pussy. I need some yeah. that bad boy dick right now. <laughs> so I almost fucked this girl in the closet. Almost. Ooh. I think she like realized what was happening and was like, "Wait a minute, I'm in a closet." Right in the closet. In the closet. I'm literally in a closet and my with my dress hiked up, with my ass out. About to bust it open. Right. And Let you just and you inspired all them fucking that all them twenty five chapters of that song. You know that, right? <laughs> no. Trapped, no. The, trapped in the closet. Yeah. I think that may have come later, but I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I definitely don't think I had anything to do with that. I know I had shit to do with it, but it was random as fuck. Cause it's like where the fuck else you gonna fuck in R. Kelly's house but in a closet? Like just out in the open. Okay. So Som- like, somehow I, got- I ended up in the step of the name of love video. He did. Don't ask how that happened. <laughs> oh, my. Because, first of all, I am not a stepper. I am not in the stepping culture. Not a part of it. I'm trying to think. That's I, the one on the boat, right? No. We were down at one of the hotels in Chicago okay, or something. Okay, okay. But I went down there to see somebody, and it was crazy because once they got everybody who was going to be in the video in the room, they locked the doors, and they took everybody's phone, and they weren't going to let people out. So basically, I got trapped in this place, and somebody who was supposed to be one of the steppers got sick or something, and they needed another step partner. And I remember them coming over saying, hey, man, we need, we just need you. We'll just put you in the back, but we need you to take this partner and step in this video. So somehow, I ended up stepping and stepping in the name of love, and I came dance to save my life. And like I said, I am not that dude, but yeah, there's some step, a weird, step. random side to side. R. In the video. Kelly thing in, the, in the, video. the video. I don't even think I, I see the back of my head somewhere in there, but yeah, it was crazy. They taught you how to step. Yeah, they gave baby. me some lessons, some but quick whatever. Stepping lessons. Ten Again. years together, um, from '97 to 2007. Mm-hmm. Any arguments? I mean, we fell out. Oh yeah, yeah, I we mean, fell out. Like in the first couple of years, in later years, what? It was like by the middle. Yeah, it was about the first. The yeah, first first couple of years, 97, 98, 99, 2000, everything smooth. Okay. Um, but you know, I think that we started to, and we talked about this, you know, in the first two episodes. Um, you know, we're young, and you know, we both got people in our ear. I got my people in my ear. He got his people in his ear, and. You know, I I didn't. I'm not a fighter, necessarily, but you know, we definitely had some a couple of moments where we didn't speak. Like we literally did not speak. We were doing the show, but by then the show was such a a well-oiled machine that we didn't even have to speak. Like what yeah, year was there, this? There though? there were times this is like 2000 2001. Yeah, there were times we were on the air that we literally did not say two words to each other. But when it came time to cut that mic on, it was like mm-hmm. boom. Professionals and people nobody, never would know. Nobody would know. Like, I'm one of them people. Yeah, nobody would nobody know. Know. because again, I said earlier, it never it, came out. I said earlier when we were talking about this, our vision was always the same. Like mm-hmm. we never wanted 
to break the professionalism that we had. We had our disagreements, our arguments. We mad as hell at each other for things. But when this mic cuts on and this radio thing happens, boom, we yep, hit it. It's magic. And that's what we do. So, And, and that you know. is something that we could not do with anyone else that we worked with after that. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, it didn't definitely. work with him and Frankie Robinson. It didn't work with me and Red. Because women are a different type of emotional. Yeah. And they're in a different mental space. Yeah. Like, so we're in the same similar space. So we might be mad at each other and not like each other, but we still have the same goal, which is still to be number one and still to do what we need to do to win. Whereas a woman is emotional and it's all going to come out because that's the way women the are. Way. Yeah. And, you know, and after you work with somebody for so long, like I said, I mean, there were times when me and Mike would host a big jam at the United Center. He was on one side of the United Center. I was on the other side. And you would never know that because we had worked together and our chemistry was so tight that I knew exactly when to come in and out. And he did, too. And it just worked that way. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves with new people and we think – that magic is going to happen again, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. And then you get frustrated. You're like, what, what is this? I No, this is not how I'm used to it going. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things happen, and for whatever reason, you know. I will say, I, I'm listening to you and you and Frankie, it was weird. Yeah. It was weird. I mean, and it, just, it was just, you know, it, it just, it wasn't me and him, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's no fault of hers. She's totally different person she's a different style it It just wasn't the same it wasn't and at that time they had also changed program Mm directors so they also got rid of Elroy Mm -hmm. the music had changed the culture the radio station had changed so I already knew that my days were numbered and I was not happy I was there strictly for a check I was not in that space like when I would be there with him like I said after the show we go out and kick it all the time in those days, that last year at GCI, but 10 o'clock, I ran straight to the Metro and went home. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want nothing else to do with it. Got I just wanted there. to go home. Right. You know, and that was just, you know. So, so, so. Go ahead, go ahead. So, I, got, I, I have to ask uh, Mike and, and Diz. Um, when, the, when, the, when, when the run ended, or let me go back before that. It's a two-part question. Before the run ends. Were you ever trying, was any other stations or any other cities trying to poach you from GCI? Early, Both of y'all. Early, early in early. 99. And I think that is part of what made us kind of start separating mentally because we were still, it was 99, so we still fresh on the air two years in. And, and a guy came up from uh, Dallas and wanted to hire us to come and do nights in Dallas and, you know, give us more money, more opportunity. Mm-hmm. But we were killing it in Chicago. So Diz, as a straight Chicago guy, is like, I'm straight here in Chicago. We don't need to go to Dallas. Everything that we want and we got is here. So that kind of said to me, well, he's not going to want to go anywhere if opportunities show up. It's either GCR, it's Chicago, or nothing. So that kind of made a wedge, and we talk about this in episode one or episode two of the Chicago Famous Podcast. But so that was lingering over the years. So by the time we get to 05, 06, 07, so now we're near the end of our time on GCI, and we're still the Chicago guys. So nobody's reaching out. Nobody is giving us any opportunities. And to top, on top of that, 
we're not getting any other opportunities at GCI. So we're not getting an opportunity to do, we're passed over for afternoons. We're not getting an opportunity to do anything like morning. We, we had a shot to do mornings. We didn't get it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, so it's at a point where no one is reaching out. So it looks like it's going to be 6 to 10 forever. And that, was, and that was frustrating because I could admit, at 99, hey, I was feeling it. I'm from Chicago. We had the world in our hands there. Absolutely. I'm like trying to go to Dallas. Like, for what? We're in the third biggest market in the country. Where's right. Dallas at? We're here. Right. So, yeah, I was here. But as the years went on, we accomplished so much at Night Radio, and a lot of cats that started at Night Radio along with us had moved on to do morning shows. They moved on to do afternoon shows. And I just thought that that was going to be the natural progression for us as well. I thought, hey, we're going to do a morning show or give it an opportunity to see what we can do in afternoons. But it never kind of transpired. Management kind of liked what they had us at night radio. You're the night guys. This is where you're going to stay. And, you know, I think both of us kind of got a little mentally burnt out because there was nothing else for us to achieve. We had been number one forever. We'd won you know, numerous awards, mm-hmm. accolades all over the place. There was mm-hmm. nothing more for us to accomplish here. Mm-hmm. Time for management to see that and be like, let's move them somewhere else. But that was never that in their plan. That was never going to happen. That was not going to happen. That was never going to happen. So you regret not going to Dallas? You I regret don't. not going to, let's just say, maybe starting at sea level stations. I mean, I understand because to me, this is the second part of the question. And I've noticed this with radio personalities from both stations or any urban stations. Let me talk about GCI, uh, uh, V103, mm-hmm. um, Power, um, all these other different stations and everything. The personalities, some of the personalities never get on anywhere else. Right, right. It's like, they is are it because they spoiled by Chicago? I think. I, I've said this before. I think that um, GCI being the first radio station you work for is the worst thing that could ever happen to your career mm. because wow. it's like your first girlfriend being Beyonce. Like, where the fuck do you go after Beyonce? Right. Like, you literally going down from there. So my first job in radio, and, and his, you know, mm-hmm. to Diz's point, his first job in radio wasn't GCI either, but... There are a lot of people, Crazy Howard McGee, um, whose first job in radio was GCI. So that when that opportunity presents itself, it's like I don't. It's like it sets the standard, and it sets the standard the bar way too high. Like so, I come from Milwaukee, so I know what radio is like outside of Chicago. I know what it's like for people to not give a fuck about you what you do for a living and you're on the radio right so i'm coming to chicago where a city where everybody gives a fuck about you being on the radio right. and you're a local celebrity now right but i remember what it's like for to not be a local celebrity so that's always in the back of my head whereas the people who become local celebrities on the radio don't know nothing else so when you go other places and you date other bitches, you looking for more Beyonce's, 
and then you realize there are no other Beyonce's. It's only one fucking Beyonce. It's mm-hmm. only one GCI. So when you go and you work at those other stations, or you can't get another job because you don't know what it's like to work anywhere else. So I agree with you. A lot of people don't know what it's like, but I think because I had worked uh, at another radio station in another city, yeah. that's why it was always important for me. I, I don't regret not us not taking the, the gig. Um, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Everything is all yeah. about growth. Yep. And we are where we are today because we did not take that step. And here we are today telling the story of, of how it worked out or, you know, what worked out for us, what didn't work out. And, you know, you move on with life. And, well, I, my question, I got to ask this because my wife wanted me to ask y'all this because she's a big fan, too, of, of the show. She just, she wants to know who came up with the birthday song, the request. Oh, it was, I mean, it was a collaboration. It was a collaboration? Yeah. Okay. But Mike, Mike was, Mike brought the idea forward, you know, to do the whole call and response thing because he was doing something similar mm-hmm. is that what you're doing something like that in, in Milwaukee something similar okay yeah. so but you know it, the whole concept is is every day is somebody's birthday right. every day I, I wrote out an initial script mm-hmm. and Diz took it and flipped it and flipped a couple of lines and, and made it his own mm-hmm. so the way the birthday line is presented was a collaborative effort between the both of us so I came up with an idea, Diz brought something, flipped something, changed the line around, and it became, you know, what it is to this day, which is something that'll outlive us, which is like the dopest shit. Like when people tag tag me, tag us in birthday line videos, people still sing it, you know. Because that became like a Chicago culture. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still still lasts to this day. I mean, you know, we're very proud of that. And I mean, mean, like I said, I mean... we were able to take ideas and like I said, because our backgrounds were so similar and again, our vision was always the same. We'd come up with an idea and then he'd add his part, mm-hmm. I'd add my part and we just put it all together and before you know it, we were just, you know, we were hitting it. So, I mean, that's, and, you know, it was, it was always really important for us to establish our own identity because we were coming behind Rick Party, right. who at right. the time was just... Rick was large. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was like yeah. he had the what's up, what's up, and yeah. Dr. Love and all that stuff going on. And, you know, and to be truthful, the radio station, they wanted the next Rick party. They weren't ready for this. They weren't ready for bad boy smacks and juke music and all that. But, right. you know, given the opportunity, we knew what we were capable of doing. And we knew once we put these things on the radio and presented them the way we do how to present them, we knew they would take off. Okay. And they did, and we did exactly what we wanted to do. Um, got to ask a controversial question, All both right. of you. Controversial. I didn't um, vote for Trump. You did? Bombs! <laughs> <laughs> Don't Trump. say I did, because I did! It's two questions. They might have. I mean, um, I wasn't around when that, during that time, so. Um, this was, was going through some things, so anything right, is possible. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> that out of possible. my mind. Voted for him as a goof. I just voted this, for Donald Trump. This qu- this question was stupid. Um, I, I put it. I put the post up there saying I was going. I was interviewing you two today. Okay. Um, so that's what's up. It's not a question that I um, 
You're not going to take credit ask for it. I'm not taking. I'm not. Ask the question. Ask the question. All right, cool. DC Fumar. I don't know who the fuck that is, but anyway, um, how did they feel destroying Chicago radio? Destroy it? I mean, what does that even mean? Right. What does that mean? Right. I mean, we killed it in the sense that no one can come behind us after that. That's what I'm thinking he's asking. Right. But, you know, you know in this era of nowadays of social media, mm-hmm. things could be taken twofold. Yeah, you, you, you dig do. what I'm saying? You so, do have trolls. So the thing about it, you're right. I don't, I don't know if, he, if he's meaning from that standpoint or did, he, did you all destroy radio for others to come up after them or something like that. We didn't destroy radio. The, the fucking companies like destroyed radio. Like to say, the, company destro- the like, companies, the ownerships destroyed we, radio. We took radio to another level. And, you know, our era, to me, is the last era of radio stars. And that's not to say that people like Tone Capone and Frankie Robinson are stars in their own right. They certainly are. But, I mean, we're talking about a... reaching multi-generations. You know what I'm saying? Like, people our age to people your age, uh, Coach Moses, to people that are like 30. So there are people that are 27 that come up to me and they're like, I appreciated y'all on GCI. And then there are people that are 35 that are like, I appreciated y'all on GCI. And then there are people that are 40 and 45 and 55. Mm -hmm. So... We were the multi-generational, your mama all the way down to your little kids, mm-hmm. the last of that. Now, no, again, no disrespect to Tone Capone, but they're not going to, because the station doesn't uh, skew like that anymore. No. The station is skewing young, whereas GCI, on the time that we were, were like, we trying to have everybody. So the mamas and the babies and the kids. Like and GCI everybody. could be played at your eight family reunion. Eight and everybody eight. at the family reunion could have a good time. Auntie and them would hear one of their songs. Uncle would hear one of their songs. The kids would hear their songs. Everybody would be taken care of. Nowadays, radio is not cut like that. It's because you're going to be, you know, this one genre here, one genre, one genre here. That's pretty yeah. much how it is. So I don't, I don't think that. So, you, th- so basically, think, basically I, you all are not going to play Walk em Down by NLE Chopper. No, I don't no. even know what, what is that. Who is? the fuck is that? <laughs> right. Who? Rapper out of Memphis. Oh, Walk them okay. down. Yeah, Walk no. Okay, never mind. Don't worry about it. I'm Shazam it, y'all. Man. Y'all Shazam that record. No, I'm straight. Shazam it while you're doing it. Shazam the college G record. Emily Chopper? NLE Chopper. NLE Chopper. NLE. What does the NLE stand for? I don't know. Boy from South or North Memphis? From Memphis, somewhere. Okay. But the thing about it is, that's what's like to attest to what you both are saying. That's what's playing on the radio all the time. And that's fine. That's on GCI right now. That is the music of the culture. They are speaking uh, to yeah. the generation today. Exactly. You so, know, I, I tell people that all the time. I was like, look, the music that they make today is for the culture of that that particular culture. I don't understand it. I'm not trying to understand it. It's okay because I'm exactly. quite sure we listen to a lot of shit that I, our parents couldn't figure out. Exactly. Didn't know what we were listening to. Because you, so, you, I mean, you, right. you made a point. Earlier in the podcast, she was saying something to the fact that you all hosted a show for Men Condition. Mm-hmm. At, right. We went from Men Condition to Biggie. Right. Like, think about yeah. 
the the difference in that. Mm-hmm. But that was GCI at the time. And so. that's when GCI's slogan was, we, we play, play the, the hits. hits. So it didn't matter if it was a gospel hit, an R&B hit, a hip-hop hit, a right. white artist, a black artist. If it was a hit, they played it. it got played. Now stations are divided. So you're number one for hip-hop and R&B. Or you're number one for throwbacks and dusties or whatever it is. They categorize everything, mm-hmm. whereas in, you know, our bosses believed in the hit format. Just, hey, if it's a good record, we're going to play it. And that's because the, the companies bought, uh, like, a Clear Channel or not, like iHeart. They bought all the radio stations under um, one umbrella, and they made them, you know, just serve one master. So yeah. GCI is going to just play hip-hop, and that's what they were doing when Diz was there with Frankie. Um, you know... V103 is one thing now, mm-hmm. you know. So back in those days, it was like, let's just get as many bodies as we can. Now it's if GCI is skewing 2554, there's a problem with that because they're taking away V103's numbers. So that's mm-hmm. that's why V103 is number one now over GCI because the 2554 demographic listens to the radio station longer. Okay. It's, it's weird hearing, um, it's weird at times hearing hip-hop from our era our era, the yeah, full of our due era, to happen. that was due to getting happen. played on V103. It's, it, I'm still strange, ain't it? right? It's, it's, it's strange. strange at times. Because growing up, we well, didn't, I my baby. You we know didn't hear that on V103 growing up. Right, no, that it. wasn't gonna happen. Right, but they can't. They can't play Dusty's. You know, they can't play 70s and 80s Dusty's for people that are 40. Like so, somebody your right. age they is don't like. Don't want to hear the shy lights. Like yeah, okay, absolutely hold on. not. <laughs> like that's your mama's. You don't want to hear your mama's music. I mean, you like some of it because it's what you grew up listening to. Right. But if man, if they dropping some pock in on V one hundred three, it's only right. It only makes sense because the time is gonna keep changing, and the listeners are gonna get younger, and the older people that were listening to V one hundred three twenty years ago probably aren't listening to V one hundred three anymore. Mm-hmm. Chicago hip hop, um, twenty years ago. Um, your thoughts in, for, in in relation to radio. So twenty years ago is two thousand. Yeah. So we're talking common. It's right before Kanye blew. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta tell a story about Kanye. Jeez, how many? Um, All we know is that he didn't like he Kanye didn't I mean uh, Mike Love did not like I didn't like Through the Wire right Through the Wire nobody did liked you know Through that? the Wire nobody liked nobody, nobody liked, liked Through the Wire first. okay until it blew until yeah. he dropped that video shout out to Cootie and Chike like that definitely changed the vibe but you told the nigga to his face to that. his face yeah and I, I think that um at one time I regretted that but I'm glad that I did because. I can go down in history and say I told Kanye West and, you know, he, he said that she said that shit in interviews that I was like, this is not going to fly. But, you know, back in those days, you couldn't be wrong. It was like and so now on the podcast, that's what I talk about, just making predictions. And if they mm-hmm. stick, they stick. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I told Kanye to his face. I mean, I, I had a really good relationship with him. And, you know, I thought felt like I could be honest, but they really, really worked the angles with that record. That was a record they was they came out with the picket signs and oh no, that was 
that was in the in the uh, days. Mm-hmm. That was that yep. was the days of the the go getters. Go getters. Yep. <laughs> the okay. go getters. Okay. Yeah. Go getters. Wow. They came up to the station and you know rapped on the air. This was before Kanye was Kanye. We just welcomed them with open arms. It was Kanye and GLC and um, Timmy G. It was like three or four of them came up to the radio station. Kanye had a beat CD, and we just threw the beat CD on, and they all just rapped in the studio. And we we was playing O O O as the song of the summer, just dropping it in between commercials and playing it on um, playing it on Chicago home jams a couple of times a week. Mm-hmm. So just hyping up. Uh, you played on my mama. Remember that record? Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Done. Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn. Oh, yeah. Mike Dunn stopped doing house and went to the hip hop yeah. side. So he had to deal so with many people don't remember that, which is crazy, isn't but, it? Yeah, but yeah. y'all broke yeah, that record. Mama though. Was, y'all broke yeah, that record. All my we mama did. was huge. That was a huge record. Huge. All my mama. Um, this is everybody understand this in 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 podcast world. This was pre Chief Keef. Yes. Yeah. Way before. <laughs> way, way before. Way before. before. Way before Herbo and all them. Yeah. Oh, my mom is like oh four oh five or something like. Yeah. You played. You you. I remember you all playing swing on them. I can't think of the rapper's name. He's a, arrogant. Yes. Arrogant. arrogant. Oh my god, I totally forgot about Bump that. Bump J. Yep. Man, we we was going super hard for Bump. Uh, we we played uh, Move Around, produced by Kanye. Mm-hmm. So you we, you we had a you nine and nine intro. Okay. We yep. had a nine and nine intro produced by um, Bump. Actually, rapped on a nine and nine intro that mm-hmm. we have. Yep. All of the Chicago rappers, for the most oh, part. Oh shit, that was Lupe. Bump. That nine we have a nine and nine intro with Bump J. With Bump J. Yep. Yes. Okay. Like love. Lupe when no, yeah. Kick Push over, came out. Yeah. He rapped over. I know you yeah. heard of that. I put. Okay. I posted it. It's on my. It's on my IG. I okay. posted it a, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep, Lupe Fiasco. We were right there at the beginning of his his career taking yep. off. So Lupe, Kanye, Bump. Um, you know, again, arrogant. Some of the, the who, people and names you might not remember. Who was the cat that was signed to Motown? Oh, Cap One. Cap One. Ah, That's two chains guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap One. Cap One. Cap One was you know around. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we were showing a lot of love to the the Commons and the Crucials and the Twisters and the Brat. We had Do or Die. We had intros from them. Like, eventually, when we developed. Chicago famous into like a show show. I want to have a segment where we are playing all this stuff to remind people mm-hmm. of the kind of stuff that we had from artists because this said in, in an episode you know, we would go to other cities and we would hear the type of stuff that we wanted for our own show. You know, we go to New York or LA and we'd hear their rappers rapping on the air about the radio station, about right. the we'd radio We'd go out to L.A. and every promo would be Mac-10 or Dub C or Ice Cube. And we'd go out to New York and it would be DMX or Peter Guns and Lord Tariq. And mm-hmm. they're like, they're all doing promos for Funk Flex or Big Boy or whoever. We were like, we need our rappers to do our shit in mm-hmm. Chicago. I mean, right. you know, that's, that's, that's what we, we set out to do was like, you know what? If we're going to be Chicago, we have our own culture. We have our own things here. We need to have our people represented. Right. And that so, was yeah. the last of that. So to, to wrap up that point of, of oh, boy, yeah, we did, we did kill the radio because that doesn't exist anymore. 
these rappers, like you don't you don't hear no Chief Keef or you don't hear no. But they don't need radio. Though. Dirk. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I'm just saying, like, just out of showing love for the culture, they grew up listening to a radio. Mm-hmm. So, but none of those, and, and I think that those artists have relationship. I Ferris obviously has relationships with everybody, but I think Ferris is trying to get them in the studio to make a song, whereas we we weren't coming out with no album. Mm-hmm. We were trying to have our show sound good. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, we killed the radio because we was the last motherfuckers in Chicago radio history to do that, to have an intro from Twista and Crucial. The Brat. The Brat and Lupe Fiasco. Psychodrama. Psy- exactly, all of that. Yep. So. Ooh, Psychodrama. Wow. Just to, um, or West Side. Just to, just to wrap things up, and I, I thank you. Thank you for having thank you us. For, th- no, thank you both. Yay. I finally got to meet the deals. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I, I appreciate you, Mike. Um, I really do. I listen. You know, look at uh, he be having he be having his his comments on his on his topics. He he on, knows how to get it started on Facebook, though. Ah, he got them with stirred. I gotta follow him. Mike, Mike, you be getting them with Mike knows just what to say. Yeah, <laughs> like Mike sits around like, who am I gonna fuck with today? Let me yeah. post this. Yeah, that's my that's my thing. Man. Speaking about that. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get to it real quick. Just real quick, I want to brief up okay. before we before we break out because mm-hmm. it's, it's this time. Um, your thoughts on August Alcina and Jada? <laughs> oh, oh wait, oh wait a minute, no. Definitely no. talk about that on the next. I'm about, I'm about to say that's got to be on Chicago Famous Monday, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. That's, oh, you yeah. gonna have to you gonna have to catch us on Monday for that one. Yeah. I already Will knew do. that was gonna be on the on the docket. We, we got to save that for the Chicago Famous yeah. podcast because yeah, that's, that's coming. Yeah, that's, I, well, can I just, just ask something? Can I just answer this question for me? Okay. Do you think the shit he did was corny? I don't. I don't. I don't. I okay. don't. Okay. I think that niggas need to be able to to have fucking feelings and get caught up because the uh, when the shit is the other way around, like like I said on my post, I said this on my post, and fuck it, fuck it. I said if that would have been Will Smith and Summer Walker, that nigga's head would be on a platter right now, and bitches would be. So they be trying to cancel Will, is what you said. Absolutely. Okay, I see his point. But but. Because it's a man, we supposed to have all these feelings. I'm a Pisces, so I I know a little something about love and something about emotion and heartfelt feelings and shedding tears over bitches. I did that shit when I was younger. I don't do that shit no more. I don't do that shit no more. I'm 54. I've gotten control of my feelings. However, at 20, that nigga 27, and she 48, she put that, come on. He was... I'm saving the rest for the podcast. Hey, they, right. they said the nigga they, was not. The he question was not being asked to me: Which pussy was better? <laughs> which pussy was more be- better, Badu or Jada pussy? Badu, shit. Yeah, Badu. Badu, Badu got that spooky love though. <laughs> she threw that spooky love on all them rappers. All you gotta do is look at Common and Dre. You yeah. look at them too. She got three rapper baby mamas. Like right. she literally we had Common like... in the studio with a whole crochet outfit on at one time. We were like, dude. <laughs> 87th Street is going, what? Nigga, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Where you get them pants from? Them ain't from the Lark. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. We don't want motherfuckers, <laughs> motherfuckers to call coming out. Like, we right. Our era of radio. Yeah, we, That's why we do it now That is so podcast, true. Because that we shit doesn't that exist no more. Yeah. It's like people, like, are, they what? feel like it's trolling now, but we used to. Go back. If the, if the offer came up now to do old school radio, old school hip hop radio, would you two do it together? No, we we trying to do this no, digital we, thing. Yeah, we we trying to do this. We control thing. our visions now, so mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why, you know, after time had gone by and Mike went off and did what he did, and then I went and had my ventures. You know, one thing that we learned was we can't run from who we are. You know, yeah. I mean, hey, we are Chicago famous. We're Chicago history, and no matter what we go off and do individually. We're still going to be known for the birthday bash. We're still going to be known for the 22nd workout. Mm-hmm. And we still matter to generations of people in this city. Right. And, you know, it's a voice that has gone silent for too long, at least from the both of us together in this city. So yeah. we decided to put it back together, but put it back together under our terms and control it and own it ourselves. We say what we want to say, do what we want to do. And, you know, that's how we present it. So, I mean, we feel good. And, I, you know, it's crazy because, and, and Mike will, you know, testify to this. I've probably learned more about him in the last eight months than I knew working 10 years with him on the radio. And same, wow. and same with me. <laughs> it's like I found out all type of stuff I did not even know about this cat. This and I sat across from this dude for 10 years and had no idea. And, you know, and that was just because, again, we were kind of wrapped up in the moment doing what we do. In our, and, you know, we never really had, you know, big spats. We just got quiet. And our communication wasn't good. Now we talk all the time and we plan what we do and we plan each of our moves together. And and that's what makes things work. So the vision is still the same. Chicago Famous podcast. One word, Chicago Famous. One word available everywhere you get podcasts. This dude made a bomb. That's actually the name of episode 14. This motherfucker made a bomb at age 13. Why he talking about, oh, I was on the turntables at 12. No, this dude made, he a, made bomb. a bomb. Yeah. This motherfucker took <laughs> episode no. 14. Just episode 14. Yeah, this episode dude made a 14. bomb. Yeah, I did it. This dude did made it. a bomb. And it was made. You think the whole fireworks in the city is fucked up now. This motherfucker made a bomb. A actual explosive. Out of, I am out truly, of fucking I am truly an interesting person, really. Because there's, and I've learned there's a, lot. a whole other side of me that could do a whole lot of things. <laughs> and people are like, "What the fuck?" Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, I mean, like I'm an outdoors person. Like, I, if you was driving down somewhere and hit a deer, call me. I will hang that bad boy up in the garage, and we'll have deer steaks for the next two years. I can do anything we do with him. That's you. That's right up your alley right there. You see how his eyes got big? He's like, yeah. We can talk further. We can talk. Yeah. We can talk further. I'm a master gardener. I grow tomatoes, like pound and a half tomatoes. Like, Damn. I, like I grow all my own Investing. vegetables, okay. all that type of stuff. You know, I do traps, and I mm-hmm. hunt and fish all over the place. And, you know, I mean, just... Stuff like that that people, you know, they know me as Diz on the radio and in the parties and stuff. But, yeah, there's a whole – because you know what? I always contributed to a, a balance because I couldn't – I just couldn't be on 10, 24 hours a day. Right. I couldn't be 50-yard line Diz, radio Diz all the time. I needed a part of me that had nothing to do with, with that. that side of me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I could do a big jam this week and then Monday – I'm headed out and I'm fishing for two days. Right. So, you know, it was it, it kept my balance in my life. And, I, you know, I contribute that to my parents. They taught me that. So, you know. Indeed. Parting words, Mike Love. 
Shit, we ain't said it all. <laughs> With the salt and pepper. Yeah. Oh, fucking embrace man. Embrace it. Again, embrace, embrace, uh, embrace your age. Embrace, embrace the age. Embrace the shit. I appreciate it. This is, I, this is a great learning it. experience for me. Yeah, this is good. This is good. For and me. you know what? And that's, and that's the thing. That's something else that we're kind of proud of today, that people are getting an opportunity to learn us just not from the radio. Like I said, you know mm-hmm. what we did and all the history that mm-hmm. we contributed to Chicago radio, but just to get to know us as people. Because like I said, we're grown now. And, you know, I mean, we we still have fun and kick it, but yeah. our views are a little different now. We see things through a different prism. So, yep. you know, I mean, that's always a good thing. And like I said, you know, to and to be recognized, like I said, one thing that, you know, we want to stand on is, yeah, we are Chicago famous and we are Chicago history. And just like you have the Doug Banks of the world and the Tom Joyners yeah. and the Rick Parties and the Herb Kent, mm-hmm. like we... There's a whole generation of people. When I was a kid, I grew up listening to Herb Kent, and I wanted to go to Dingbats, and I wanted to go to the Copper Box, or I wanted to go to the Nimbus, but I couldn't go. There was kids who listened to GCI and was like, man, I want to go to the 50-yard line. They got Q-tips at the 50-yard line at night or do or dies at the 50-yard line at night, and people were couldn't wait to become 21 because they wanted to come right. kick it with us. Right. So, you know, I mean, that was a yeah. big deal. I mean, we put – hundreds and thousands of people on the birthday bash. If they didn't go on the radio, we did them live in the club. So, I mean. And we did somebody. Now, you're not going to be, you're not going to be footworking on top of a police car at the next Hell protest. No. No. Hey, like like Dave Chappelle said, you know, the, the protest and everything that's going on, I let the young folks lead that. Gotcha. I ride the yeah. back seat. I'm in the back. back game. My fist is up and I'm with you. But I'm in the back seat now. Oh, you guys. all drive this car. Exactly. <laughs> and and, you, and it's you. all supposed I, to be led by the youth. Yeah, the it's youth. supposed Chicago to be. Chicago famous, man. Chicago famous. Chicago famous. Follow us, Mike Love and Diz on everything. Yep. That's Diz it's, with two Zs. And Instagram, it's D-I-Z-Z-29, 1229. Diz1229, because my birthday is 1229. So yep. Diz1229 at Instagram, Facebook, you can find me, Twitter. All over the place we're there. But check out our website, MikeLoveAndDiz.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Chicago Famous. We usually put up a new episode every Monday. And trust me, it is it is what it is. That voice is still real. golden. Y'all see that? Y'all, y'all hear that, right? Hear that. Yep. Both hear, voices are still golden. We couldn't run away from who we are any longer. So we're back. Mike Love and Diz. Not the Diz. It's Mike Love and Diz. There you go. So Chicago Famous. And thank y'all for being my no favorite doubt. Chicago. That's what I want to say. I want to give y'all props for being it. my favorite Chicago. Helping me get my lick back. <laughs> my favorite <laughs> Chicago podcast. And I like Mike, that. Mike put me up on y'all, and I, was I just like, was going through all y'all episodes, just listening. And I was like, it was funny because with the sound effects, with the bombs and all over there, I meant to tell Mike, I was like, we should bring the Bad Boy Smack sound effect just for the hell of it. Do it. Like, do, it. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> they said we're going to be on the show. It's like, let's bring the smack. People ain't heard do that it. in years. But I, you know, I love the fact that, you know, Jamal King Bula, that you hold it down as the host and keep everything rolling. Uh, Magic Mike is, you know, when he is here, he's like, you know, the comedian. Yeah. I think, uh, Coach Moses, I like yo, like you are the king of the one-liner. Like you'll pop in and say some funny-ass shit. <laughs> like you're the perfect third party to mm-hmm. the show. I, I think what you do is really dope. And so continue, y'all. Keep keep up the good work. Sound, of course, sometimes in the background, giving his perspective mm-hmm. or just on the – I listen to this shit. I mean, he – he know, like I've added y'all just yeah. like when y'all get in y'all groove yeah. and it's like 
the liquor and the, the women and the, all that shit, yeah. you motherfuckers, this, this shit be golden. We got absolutely we get, we props fucking from the golden. OGs of the no, shit. You see this shit? I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. This nigga Coach Mose, I just be like, where did what? that shit come from? He always got like a one always got a one-liner. Like, that's, you know, fucking one-liner king, bro. Yep. I give it to you. So, I appreciate it. Hey, continue. Y'all continue it. doing what y'all do. So, I'm do. following now, so I'm down. So, yeah. I'll be peeping it out. And get so. that girl back in here, because she is. Delcia. Delcia. Yeah. Delcia, yeah. come back. When you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, nigga, I'll be dying. Hey, um, when they I, go I, at it. I, know, I, I have to say God. this real quick. Last been Delcia that one episode. <laughs> Nigga, I almost drove off the side of the road. That shit was great. She oh. go, she's going on 600 pound life now, you know, for real. Oh, here we go. Here we here go. We go. Here I'm we go. sorry. Here we go. But yeah, props yeah, to y'all. South Carolina show. She's going on 600 pound life. Props to y'all and everything you Hey, look, um, can we do this again? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, cool. We down. We're going to do this again. We're going to do this. I'm going to have magic here this time. We're going to do this again. Okay. I appreciate it. Reasonable Ignorance Podcast. Now we're... You hear anywhere where you hear podcasts at, download, subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, bombs!